Bring yourself back online. take itself too seriously i am your host j-bone borislow that's what they call me right ross it is not jared, no one has ever called you that dude jared borislow but some folks call me j-bone including my grandma and i'm here with ross bowling i'm here but we got a special guest much more important than me we do in the studio today all the way here from los angeles intern serena hey guys intern serena is here from la by herself you've heard her voice many times She's the one who makes very intelligent phone calls that make the rest of you look bad. I hope that my voice sounds better in the mic than it does on the phone. That's my hope for today. I don't think anybody likes their voice. Yeah, I think recorded. that's like that's definitely a, a people problem. Yeah, you're not gonna like it when you hear it. I hate my voice. I think I have the worst radio voice ever. I like mine now. I don't like seeing my face. Like I don't want to see me in a video. But I'm down with hearing my voice at this point. Would you say you have a face for radio, Ross? Is that what you're saying? I'm not saying that. It has been said, but I'm not saying that. I've got a face for Betamax. What does that mean, Jared? It's uh, some, some old form of video. Right before VHS, wasn't it? Betamax? Why are you making that joke, Jared? Who gets uh, that? Uh, a, a, few, a few people. Anyway, okay. back to intern Trina. What are you doing here in Austin? Um, I'm visiting. I was supposed to take a trip with my best friend, and she canceled at the last minute. She Boo. had something else she had to do. So I just decided to stay and explore Austin by myself. I haven't been here before, so now I'm here. Boom, in the studio. She's gonna be, are you gonna be here on the Thursday episode too? If you want me here, I'll You're be here. You're invited to the Thursday episode. Tight. Surprise. Boom. Yeah, surprise. Uh, live on air, wow, this is like a Ellen DeGeneres piece. Granting somebody some sort of thing live on air. I wish you air. could see the happiness in my face right now, guys. It's palpable. I'm you think You think you're the Ellen DeGeneres of this podcast. Yeah, yeah I, I would say so. Okay. Right. What you, who are you? You're like a you're like a Stedman. I'm I'm Stedman. Yeah, that's Oprah's man. I think so, right? Is that anybody know Oprah around here? Yeah, that's Oprah's man. Yeah, yeah. But he's he might be a robot. Speaking of Westworld, honestly, he might be. Yeah. Um, I don't know if we brought this up. If you don't know who Intern Trina is, she does all the amazing Photoshop work and Westworld content. I've never heard you say that before on our social. What? What have you never heard? You say that Intern Serena does all the amazing oh, yeah. Photoshop work. Yeah, I say that in every single episode. I've it's never awesome. heard it. It is. It you, is. You awesome. can hear it live now. You can hear it live. It's better in person. It is. So go to our social media accounts. Check out at Freeze All Motor on Twitter and at Freeze All Motor Functions on Instagram to check out Serena's work. She's here today to comment on the show. So let's get into the show. Episode eight, Kiksuya. You know what that means, Ross? I do not. It means remember in Lakota, which is the Native American language that Ford gave Ghost Nation. So just to be clear. Lakota is a real Native American language? Yes, it's a Sioux language. Cool. So this is not something that was made up for the show? Uh, no, it is real. So is all of the Lakota we hear in the episode like legit Lakota? Yeah, they brought in like language speakers and, and talkers of the language. That is neat and respectful. It is. And, you know, I don't have a, a degree in Lakota, so I can't really go into the ins and outs of how good the pronunciation is or how good the translation is. Nobody expected you to. What Gonna do you have a degree in? I haven't heard before. Uh, Spanish. Oh, okay. Thanks. Whole different deal. Yeah. They're, they're, they're not really related. They're both American languages. What? Like, like America. Like the Americas, not United States. Anyways. 
Okay. Kiksuya is said many times in this episode. Uh, it ties kind of into the whole revelation that Ghost Nation were the first hosts to have memories. You know? Remember? Remember. Um, I also think it might be a nod to American imperialism because the Native Americans were the first ones to inhabit the U.S. and the Europeans followed suit. And here in the park, the Native Americans were the first one to kind of trap a little bit of uh, memory. That's deep. Thank you. I have a feeling this this particular episode of our show is going to be deeper than any one we've ever done, considering the combination of you two. It's going to be rough for me. It's going to be rough. I'm a shallow guy. But I'm going to try. We're here for you, though. I know. I'm just a little out of my my depth. All our hosts are here for you. No pun intended. Okay, we cut to the man in black, army crawling on a riverbank. Sound the eddy. What? What? Somehow alive. Oh, yeah. That's what I was going to say. Uh. Intern Luke, who's also here. We have two interns in the studio today, by the way. Yeah. Intern Luke and Intern Tarina. This is huge for us. It is. Luke, say hi. Do say something. Anything. Hey, guys. There you go. He's really here. We didn't make it up. It's not a lie. Intern Luke, hit the Eddie Vetti horn again. Did I say Eddie Vetti? You said Eddie Vetti. You meant Eddie... Eddie... uh, Vetter? Eddie Vetter. Hit the Eddie Vetter horn once again, because Man in Black is still alive. Which is huge for us. Oh, you pussied out. Sing it, Jared. I'm still alive. Thank you. Eddie Vedder is the front man for Pearl Jam, if you're wondering what's happening right now. Uh, He's giving himself a don't die pep talk, uh, which is never something you want to have to do. Intern Serena, you had a take about this. It's kind of like when you're hungover and you're like throwing up and you have like the side of your face on the toilet seat and you're just telling yourself you're not dying here. Like this isn't where it ends. Praying, you swear you're never going to drink again. It's kind of where the man in black is right now. Yeah, it's pathetic. He looks pathetic. He does. And I think like after he gets better, he will do everything he was doing again. So that like whole analogy works even better, really. Yeah, you know, he'll stop whatever he's doing for the next 24 hours, maybe, and then back at it in full force. What would you guys tell yourselves to help make you not die if you were dying like Man in Black? What, what would your pep talk be? Like what would my, you know... Like the inspiration in the back of my mind be to keep going? Yeah. His is like, you can't die here. Like you have more shit to do. Your work's not done. Probably like all the Yeezy drops I could miss out on if I pass away. You know what I mean? Like, cause I know it's not over. Yeah. You just caught those ones that look like uh, new balances that were put through a washing machine with a highlighter, right? Yes, I did. I did. It's sad, but it's true. Those are, those are bad shoes. Have you seen these shoes in Tintorina? The new Yeezys? Yeah. They're super moon yellow, uh, and they look like shoes that your your grandpa's nurse would wear. Yeah. (laughs) I can't really defend my decision to buy them. It just is what it is. You just wanted to be part of a drop, didn't you? No, there's just something. There's like a, you know, like a deep seated hole in my, in my soul that needs to be filled. And I try to fill it with shoes. Did you buy that shirt that came out the night of the album release? Like Will DeFreeze? No, because I'm not that insane. Okay. So yeah. Those are just comfort colors tees yeah. that he's printing and then charging like 70 bucks for. So I'm not I'm not doing that. Nah. He's a consummate businessman. My pep talk to myself, I would say, no, Jared, you can't die. You never figured out how many licks it takes to get to the center of a Tootsie Pop. A lot of people don't know this about me. I've been taking one lick per week of a Tootsie Pop to see how many licks it takes. I'm currently at 450 and still no center. You how close are me. you? I look about a centimeter away now. Okay. Like a centimeter from the Tootsie Pop or the from the center. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. So that's been like eight and a half years so far. I, I think I'll probably need like two and a half more okay. to get there. Serena, what would keep you alive? I think mine would have to be that I'm just getting my start in my job and you can't you can't die before you get a promotion. It's just not gonna Yeah, work. you're too young to go. Too much to do. And I've just done all this like 
grunt work and like getting coffees and PA stuff at this point. Like I'm I'm ready to move out of that phase in my life and I don't want to die before I do it. What That's is a your very job? good point though? What real. is your job by the way? Um, I'm what's called a client services representative, which means at my production company, I am a combination of a receptionist and everyone's personal assistant. So um, all my TV show clients who come in, I help take care of them, rolling calls, handling the phones, um, making sure that when someone says Diet Coke, one appears in their hand, that kind mm -hmm. of stuff. That so sounds I, like magic. It is. It is. Some people say that I'm magic. Do you pound a lot of coffee? Uh, so much coffee. I actually had to, after pilot season, have like a self-intervention about like five cups of cold brew a day isn't really acceptable. I was like shaking. Jesus. Like. Yeah, I went through that. Like when I first started working, I was having several cups of coffee a day and it got to the point where I was like strung out and I couldn't sleep and shit. And then I just outright quit coffee for like six years. No shit. I was like, I can't do this six anymore. Six years? I'm a mess though. Like that's just how I, I go too hard on everything that I do and then eventually I have to cut it out of my life completely. It'll probably happen with this show. It's definitely gonna happen with Jerry. Yeah. Oh, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> okay, that's weird. But anyways, so who stumbles upon the man in black but one Akichita aka the first of us aka the leader of Ghost Nation aka the guy who gave Logan the demonstration that led to all of this aka the guy whose name we have been mis mispronouncing the entire season yeah apparently it's Akichita not Akichita uh yeah we botched that Akichita um fun fact I've said this before but we'll say it again Akichita means warrior in Lakota so you know that's that's apt for him. He's he's a fighter. He didn't die for nine years. What does Jared mean in English? Uh, it means he who descends in Hebrew. Does it actually? I believe so. It's a pretty badass name. Does that mean I'm going to hell? I said English. I think so. Also, yes. <laughs> that's not good. <laughs> no, it's like it's like all the below those below in the show. That's where you're gonna go. Yeah. You're gonna go underneath oh, into the Mesa oh, Hub. Yes. Dude. Wow. I'm going into the Mesa Hub. I'm. This it's is literally in your name. Boom. Yeah, the, the, we had, uh, what was it, Wachita said that. The, the elder woman said that's like part of their culture. Ah, yes, the elder Some woman. Some pray for it. Others are afraid they won't be able to find their way home. She Will you find your way home? She didn't even read that. She just quoted that out of her brain, Intern Serena did. It's yeah. insane. For, look, I got to tell everybody this. Intern Serena is rocking a giant iPad with an insane amount of handwritten notes. They're color-coded, too. They are color-coded. I see at least... Four distinct colors right now. I am. It's it's not easy to impress me, and I am very impressed. This is it's it's this is a lot. Wow, I can get up and leave now. That's all I really came <laughs> here to do was impress Ross Bolin and dip out. So bye, guys. It's been Later. good. <laughs> Congratulations. Think about this when you look at this scene. Later on in this episode, we see Akichita stumble upon Logan. If you adhere to the Man in Black is answering for all his sins and revisiting them, then you are hooting and hollering right now. Because many would say this was William's original sin, and thus the end of Ford's The Door Riddle. It begins where you end and ends where you begin. This is, Again, I'm just swimming in the shallow end of the pool with floaties on. Akichita says good when he sees the man in black alive, meaning he must have some use for him. He says, I remember you to the man in black uh, in English. English? Is that right? Yeah. English? Okay. In English, which is pretty much never going to be a good thing for him, seeing as, like Dolores, he leaves only blood in his wake. Okay, so this whole thing, it, it, up front I was like, all right, so he has some type of use for the man in black. That doesn't end up being the case, really. He just wants him to suffer. Yeah. Okay. I think it's important to note, too, that this is where we learn that the man in black specifically cannot understand Lakota. So anything that's said in Lakota in his presence is intentionally to 
make it so he doesn't know what's being said or done to yeah. him. Yeah. I never I never learned the language. In my opinion, this is Ford's way of having the man in black answer for his sin of talking the host's ears off uh, back when they couldn't actually respond to him or understand anything he was saying. Yeah, when he wouldn't shut the fuck up. Yeah. yeah. Ford's just like, taste your own medicine, buddy. Do you think, so in your head when you're watching this unfold, you're still seeing it as like Ford has is making all this happen? Uh, yes. Okay. Kind of. I'm just trying to keep that perspective for everybody because like it's really hard for me. I mean, I think he's guiding it. I don't think he's do it directly behind it. He's right. Like, he's letting the free will go until it doesn't serve his narrative, and then he's jumping in. I think they have free will within the parameters of the world that Ford made. So it's like they can all do whatever they want, but since he made them, he intimately knows like who they are and the kind of choices that they're likely to make. So he can set framework in which certain decisions or outcomes are more likely than others. So. At this point in the game, I don't think he's explicitly like guiding what's happening, but he knows everything so well, it's sort of easy for him to still direct it. I need like an, we need like an applause uh, sound bite here. That's the best explanation I've heard so far. Like the closest thing that's getting me in my little brain near understanding what's going on. So I appreciate it. You're welcome. Akijita says to the man in black, death is a passage from this brutal world. You don't deserve the exit. I saw a lot of people taking that line as reason to believe that we are, in fact, looking at a uh, host reincarnated man in black situation. I don't think so. On the Twitter machine. I just think, I mean, can't they all die now because the cradle's been destroyed? Um, I don't know, Jared. It's a, it's a possibility. The dude got shot up and he's old as hell. How is he still moving? How is he alive? Because he's a strong-willed gentleman. He's been, he's seen some shit. Gentleman, my ass. We see Maeve's daughter, whose name is Anna, which I didn't know until this episode. She's at the camp as well with a blank stare on her face. Knowing what we know now, we know Maeve is seeing through her daughter's eyes throughout this entire episode, which when you watch through twice like I did, not a hero. I just had to do it to better serve the listeners. Uh -huh. It gives you a slightly different perspective of everything that you see from here on out. Because Akichita isn't just randomly telling all this to a little girl. He's telling it to someone who can use it to actually make a difference with it, which is very opposite of Man in Black, who would just say anything to anybody at any time for no reason. So you're saying the reason Akichita has chosen... There's, it's, there's purpose behind his, this entire episode, everything he explains to Anna. I think when he's explaining it to Anna, he's really explaining it to Maeve. I don't want to jump too far ahead, but I think he's they're using the mesh network to communicate yeah. back and forth. And everything that he's telling Anna in Lakota is actually for Maeve's benefit. And then what he says in English yep. is the stuff that he's telling Anna, which is why at the end, sorry to jump to the end, but no. they have that little exchange, die well, which is what Hector says to Maeve. And then she says, take my heart when you go, which is kind of their... They were seeming enemies before this. Not enemies, but she was definitely scared of him, misunderstood him. And yeah. by the end of this exchange, they've sort of reconciled. So the whole Lakota pieces were actually to Maeve through Anna. Yep. And I don't think that's necessary. Like, you shouldn't be apologizing. It's not jumping ahead. I think that that, like, you need obviously, to know that. that's the reveal at the end of the episode that we get. Yep. But it's extremely important to understanding everything that goes on and why he tells the story he does. So, it, I mean, that... That was the episode. That's the whole point. Yep. Is that we find out this mesh network thing. They're actively using the shit out of it in uh in a very cool way. And what I didn't catch until the second watch through was 
the switches to English he did specifically were to talk to Anna, who couldn't understand Lakota. Right. Which means that he just put Anna through an hour, an hour of straight. Lakota? Yeah, I have that in my notes, too. She's just like, excuse me, sir. <laughs> no wonder she's a blank stare on her face. She's like, what the fuck yeah, are you saying, This is sir? terrible. I'll say this, though. If I'm in her shoes, I'm not even going to complain. The Lakota language, like as a spoken word, is very appealing. It is. It's fantastic. I could listen to that dude talk all day without subtitles that were explaining to me what's going on. Yeah, he has that ASMR voice. Oh, for absolutely. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yes, he does. That was great. We see a flashback of Maeve and her daughter all happy and enjoying each other's company and having a pretend tea party, which I forgot were a thing. Yeah, I got mad when they poured the no tea. I was like, was did they just forget to put tea in there? Like the set designer forgot, and then I was like, oh, that's right, kids. Yeah, it took me a second. No too. tea. It uh, took me a second. That doesn't seem fun. A pretend tea party. A regular tea party doesn't seem fun, but at least you get tea. Well, Jared, what'd you do when you were a little boy? Ooh. <laughs> I played with Legos. I mean, that probably doesn't seem fun to a lot of people. Seems fun to me now. Little to girls be dig tea parties, man. Legos are still cool. I didn't say they weren't. I'm down to play with Legos. My birthday party is coming up. You want to come play Legos? Yep. It'd be cool if we could get Lego to sponsor this podcast. Uh, where are they out of Denmark? I think. It's somewhere always, Scandinavian. Why Being, do you know where the Lego headquarters what? are? Luke says he's pretty sure it's Denmark. Being right? a scumbag American, I always just assumed it was an American company. Is it not? It's, wow, it's no, it is definitely Scandinavian. Uh, okay, I suck. There's a rock with the maze printed on it in blood on the table, just chilling there, which is normal for a table in this time period. Wet I guess. blood too. Yeah, wet blood. This is still a. This is a soaking rock. Fresh, <laughs> fresh blood. Anna says the ghost gave it to her as a warning, and that the ghost also said he'd be watching them. And Maeve's like, what? And Anna's just like, ah, oh, no, tea party, la da 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 da. Can we talk about how Anna is not very good at relaying information because everything that she tells Maeve is super ominous sounding, but then at the end we find out it's all like, oh no, he was trying to protect her. It's like, Anna, dude, you could have like made yeah. that a little clearer. She totally botched that. She could have just been like, this guy is good, good guy, good ghost. This good. is like Casper. Yeah, it's some horror exactly. He's shit, like Casper. Though. This happens all the time in horror movies where a little kid like incorrectly uh, passing information along makes everything a lot more horrifying than it needs to be. That was exactly what that was. Yeah. Kids need to just stop being so stupid. And creepy. Yeah. Like No offense, kids. Yeah, I'm sure we have kids listening. We have the explicit tag on here. Do you know why? Because we say fuck. Famp love to kids. We cut I, right I gotta to... stop saying that. It's a trick daddy line. It just comes <laughs> off as weird. And I, I say it all the time on shows and I just gotta stop. Wait, what, did you, what did you say? I said, "Famp love the kids." It's a, you remember that trick daddy line where he's like, "Trick love the kids." No, you don't remember that? I, do, look at me. Do I look like I know that? No, I'm like the whitest guy in a two mile radius. No, well, Will the Freeze is within the building, That's so true. no, you're not. You and Will could do a revamp of Whitest Kids. You know, you remember that show? I do. Yeah, it was, it was a, a good show. show. Can't do that in 2018. Sorry. Oh, sorry. That's true. Check your privilege, boy. We cut right to Lee wheeling an almost dead Maeve through the Mesa Hub on a gurney and telling her to hang on. We start off the episode with two almost dead people. Um, that's uh, that's pretty harsh, huh? I mean, that's where we were at, though. Like, last episode, we ended up with two almost dead people. Three, really. Wait, well, our boy uh, that was with Maeve, that shot the man in black. Lawrence. Lawrence. Oh, he dead. Lawrence gone. He dead. Nobody cares. Nobody cared about him. Nobody tried to save Lawrence. That's a bummer. Okay. Yeah. By the way, what was this quote from Lawrence in season one where he said, maybe one day I'll kill the man in black, right? Didn't he say that? I don't know. I could have sworn you told me this at I, some point. I may have, but I like send emails and then I black out and oh, forget okay. that they happen. That makes sense. Um, we all do that. Like, like from, it, from drinking or from like knowledge overload? 
Uh, or you, both. You need to push out the old emails from your brain to make room for new brains emails. Brains are like hard drives. You only have a finite amount yeah. of storage in there, and sometimes I have to let some of the emails they send I'm go. I'm totally with that. Yeah. yeah. That really annoying tech guy from all the Abernathy scenes refuses to take Maven because he's just totally swamped. Schedule's full. He's been putting out fires all day. This Look. fucker was in the Abernathy scenes? Oh, yeah. This is the guy who bolted him down to the table. Oh, this guy sucks. I hate this guy. Fuck this guy. Worst tech ever. Wait, this the tech, the smarmy? Yeah, the, the really annoying dude. He's so annoying. He has a punch face to the max. Oh, 100%. Oh, he has a kick face. Just, <laughs> I, I want to kill that guy. If I'm in Westworld and that dude's in the park, it's on. Lee's like, uh, dude, you should probably look at this one. She can like control other hosts with her mind. So he decides to get to work on her. And then we cut back to Akichita and Anna. Anna isn't scared of Akichita, but rather the man in black. Kudos to the man in black. Uh, he must have been very scary when he met Anna if she is still scared of him, even with him literally dying in front of her. Yeah, I think it's more of like a traumatized, like, you know what I mean? Like PTSD situation. Her looking at him is like triggering all of the memories of what he's done to her and her mm -hmm. family. It's still pretty scary though, you know? I mean, he's a scary looking dude, dying or not. That's a face you do not want to... He's old. He looks like shit. Yeah, he's, he's a rough looking guy. Yeah. Akichita rhetorically asks Anna if she can remember all the things she's seen and lives they've had. He says he can too. And then we cut to Akichita in a beautiful house uh, with his beautiful wife. Now you may ask yourself, how did I get here? Damn As it. the days go on, uh, water flowing under. Exactly. Oh, it's a now once in a lifetime reference. There's two of them now making these jokes. <laughs> So, you got here because we are starting off on a journey that will take up the entire rest of the episode. That journey is the story of Akichita, who is deeply entwined with the history of the park, the history of host consciousness, and so many other huge plot points throughout seasons one and two of Westworld. Well put. Water I had an issue with the wigs in this scene. With the wigs? Yeah. Were they wearing, who was wearing a wig? Some people were wearing wigs, and they were really badly done. It really bothered me. Like the Native Americans? Yeah. Oh, that sucks. Damn. We, we actually have a Native American hair expert <laughs> oh God. here in the studio today. It's intern Serena. Yeah. yeah. You should probably cut that line. No. There, <laughs> yeah. There's always like, uh, there's always little things, especially in the, what department is that? Is that the makeup and costume, out, yeah. costume department? I feel like there's always little scenes where maybe things got rushed a little bit. This happens in Game of Thrones a lot. Where well, you're like, just, wait, what the fuck was with their hair in that? That didn't look good. Well, and when it's so good, 99% of the time, it's like, and right. they put so much money into mm -hmm. production value, the 1% of the time it's off, you're like, hey, I noticed this. Yeah, it makes it way easier to notice. Yeah. This entire journey is spoken to us by Akichita in his native tongue, which to me makes it even more powerful. Did you guys cry? Huh? Anybody cry? I didn't cry at any point, but this was like by far the most emotional episode of Westworld that they've done that was, I mean... It was like a combination of the score, the language that most of it was in, Lakota, um, just just everything going on. I mean, the love story between Akichita and his, his woman, what was her name? Kohana. Kohana. I, I didn't cry, but I wanted to cry. I was in front of my dogs. I can't cry in front of my dogs. Oh, they, yeah. I, they, they need to see me as like a strong yeah. father figure, you know? <laughs> you cried, Jared? No, but it's crazy. Intern Luke is crying in the studio right now as we recount He's just it. openly weeping. Like, dude, you, you need to you pull, your, pull yourself together, Luke. We're here for you, man. That's not true. I'm not crying. Kind of sounds like you're crying. I'm not crying. You're crying. He just doesn't want you to know. He's really embarrassed. It's okay. Guys have to cry, Luke. Dude, Luke. Okay. Hey, you can cry. The thing is, like, it, it still kind of sounds like you're crying. I can, I, looking at you, 
you're, there's tears everywhere, then you're trying to pull yourself together, but you can't. It's okay. Serena, did you cry? I didn't. And I cry at a lot of stuff on TV, so I was kind of shocked. It was yeah. the wigs. She just couldn't get over the wigs. I couldn't. Those fucking <laughs> the wigs, wigs stopped me from crying. <laughs> yeah, we're just cold-blooded in this room. Nobody's crying except entering the... Well, we learned that Akichita was very deeply in love with a woman named Kohana, which means swift in Lakota, which could be tied into how swiftly she is taken from him. Maybe. I don't know. I was going to make a disgusting sex joke, and I'm not going to, and you're all welcome. Thank you. You're, I don't know if HR will get involved if you made that in front of two interns. No. Maybe. I don't know. I'm just <laughs> not going to say it. Move on. Kohana says, take my heart when you go, to which Akichita responds, take mine in its place. We see this again later. Akita this says, was, by the way, what? sorry, Jerry, what? to jump in, yeah, yeah, cut you off, in but th that was it. the, uh, like, within HBO Go, when you go to the episode to play it, that was what it said, was the take my heart when you go in Lakota, yeah. and then in parentheses, the English explanation. Take cares. my heart, take my heart before you go, go. Don't leave me hanging on like a... Bozo. Bozo. Like a bone zone bozo. Ross? Oh, man. Wow. It's going to be a long <laughs> Monday. It is. Oh, Ross and I are actually also doing a podcast after this. It's the Game of Thrones podcast here, Grand X Media, Oysters, Clams, and Cockles. Yeah, I might as well talk about it right now. Jared, what my, the guy who usually does the show with me, my good friend Barrett Dudley, he's, uh, he's on vacation. So Jared, because I just can't get enough of him, <laughs> is going to jump on to Oysters, Clams, and Cockles with me after we're done recording Freeze All Motor Functions today and take part in what is called the Night's Rewatch right now where we're doing a podcast for every episode of Game of Thrones uh, so that we're all as prepared as possible for the final season. And we're doing season four, the penultimate episode of season four. Yes. It's going to be good shit. Uh, my favorite scene in the entire series is in this episode. It involves a scythe. Scythe? You said that so wrong. Is, is the sea silent? Drop the scythe, boys. Scythe. Thank you. Okay. Yes. Oh, my God. It's going to be great. Tune in. Oysters, Claims, and Cockles on iTunes. Yeah. Akisha says that he and Kohana lived a warm, easy life, surrounded by family, and everyone was always happy. Sounds like a nice setup. But then one day, Akichita saw something that changed everything. He saw Rebus butt-chugging milk. Dude, wow. That's a horrid, horrid visualization that just, you just plugged into my brain. Uh, I'm a very visual person. This is upsetting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I have a question. Um, <laughs> man, the image like just now clicked, and it's just awful. Yep. Anyway, uh, the, uh, so the, this, this part of it, where we're seeing him living his peaceful, good life before shit hits the fan, before anything changes, I, I was trying to put this like in the context of my brain, what, like, okay, so Westworld is, exists, right? Yeah. Or it's being worked on, maybe the park's not even open yet at the, the beginning. It's not open yet in these first scenes we see. But Ford slash Arnold slash, the, they've built this tribe that is living off remotely, that all of the techs and shit, are, are they aware of the tribe? Yes, 100%. They're okay. just not living in Escalante because they wouldn't live in Escalante when the park actually opened but because they're a nomadic tribe. How does Akacheta go through t a decade without ever being updated? That whole thing became a little weird to me. It was like, wouldn't somebody have noticed this? So he says, the one of the techs says, we only update them when they die. And he <laughs> evaded death for nine years. He said that he was afraid to die because he was afraid if he died, he would forget. So he yep. has made like a strident point of not dying because he doesn't want to forget Kohana. Yep. Which is part of why he loves Anna so much because she saved him from dying. Okay. And then so was Ford always aware of Akacheta and his, 
I guess, his purpose in this whole... Do you really think we can answer that? No, I just wish somebody would... He's been keeping an eye on Akichita. You said the name wrong. Fuck. He's been keeping an eye on him, he says. Um, but we learned there's things he doesn't know about him. He literally has to ask him in analysis mode how he found out about the maze. So he doesn't know that. So he's been like kind of on the outskirts of everything, partly potentially because the maze might like block out Ford's ability to like see everything going on inside of him. I don't know. Mm. Okay. All right. That's good enough for me right now. Thank but you. what he really saw was not Rebus butt chugging milk. I feel like I should have gotten to what actually happened. Yeah, sooner. that was, we really, yeah. We were all just sitting that. with that image. Sorry. 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 I thought that's what happened until now. That's on me. This is not what Akichicha saw. Uh, he saw Arnold dead after Dolores had killed everyone in Escalante and then him. Uh, but that wasn't what Akichicha saw that changed him forever. Uh, it was the maze inside of the little... I don't know what that building was. Inside the building, right Mariposa? behind. It's a saloon, right? It wasn't the Mariposa. It wasn't the Mariposa. Oh, it, it was a smaller it was a bar, building. Though. He finds it at a bar because there's a shot next to it. And yeah. I was like, at first I was like, wait, is this some weird, like he found alcohol and it changed his life situation? Like what the fuck is about to happen here? But no, nah, it's the little toy maze. Yeah. So there's a little toy maze there that, that uh, Arnold was checking out before Dolores killed him. And we learned that Akichita was all about the maze way before it was cool. He's the resident Westworld maze hipster. And a fly landed on his hand. Yeah, can we talk it. about the flies? Let's oh, the flies. I didn't notice this. So I think the flies were here in this scene because we have a dead human. Since Arnold was dead, I think his decaying organic matter would attract flies. I'm not sure why it landed on his hand in this scene, but I know that when the flies show up, shit's about to be important. Mm -hmm. That's, yeah, I heard the flies. I did not notice the one landing. It was like right when he has it in his hand. I don't know why I'm showing you. No one can see me. But um, yep. the but we fly can. lands right here as okay. he's holding the mm -hmm. maze. We cut back to Akichita's camp. Can I say something about yes. this? Yes. So the color grading changed drastically in this scene. It's like normally, not to get too nerdy, but normally it's like kind of cool and desaturated and washed out when we watch Westworld. Uh -huh. And then suddenly in this scene and in like four others, it gets this really warm, saturated, rosy color grading. And I noticed that it happens whenever he's like pushing up on enlightenment. Huh. Ooh. Does it get more and more? Yes. So by the end, it's like really, really noticeable. The first time I was like, oh, subtle color difference. And that's what my company does. So like I'm geared to notice uh -huh. that kind of stuff. And then as I went on, I was like, okay, this is getting really apparent. And I don't know. It's just really interesting. Light and enlightenment. Wow. Well, and they talk about light and seeing a lot mm -hmm. in this episode when Ford says he's a flower growing in darkness. Mm, yep. The least I can do is give you some light. Very poignant. Very poignant. So back at Akichita's camp, people are beginning to get concerned about Akichita's obsession with drawing the maze on literally everything. Yeah, that's pretty fucking concerning, dude. <laughs> the best comparison I can make here is not the woodcutter. It is Jonah Hill's character in Superbad. That's what I was thinking too. Who cannot stop drawing dicks. On things. Instead of being possessed by a dick devil, Akichita is possessed by a maze monster. It is a little concerning <laughs> that all three of us made the exact same connection to super bad. It's well, a classic. How many other references in pop culture do we have people compulsively drawing something that upsets the people around them? Yep. That's a good question. Not many. I mean, I just find it that super bad was one of the funniest. When I saw that in theaters, one of the funniest things I'd ever seen in my life. I died. The classic. If you haven't seen Superbad for some weird reason, go watch it right now. Well, I love the shot with, of uh, Akichita. I got it right. 
over there like just like plugging away just drawing just doing his little fucking and they're like talking shit about him 10 feet away like what's his deal he's losing it get your mans he literally says that he's like your man is losing it yeah <laughs> i had a problem with how he was holding the knife like that was a very big knife for him to be drawing a very precise little diagram yeah. so on a small rock so he had a lot of practice though Luke. maybe maybe be a little <laughs> careful though yeah luke is concerned with akita's hands and not getting stabbed it's by a gigantic it. knife he's using it like a pencil huh well luke wiped the tears away the force that it would take to anyway enough but yeah he uh it also explained like you know how we've always seen in westworld all these instances of the maze appearing in random fucking places that finally gets explained to us in this episode it's all akichita yep his crazy ass has been drawing the maze everywhere for like 30 fucking years yeah He's just going around, just he's tagging. He's like a graffiti artist, pretty much. That's his. He's the Banksy of Westworld. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> exactly. It reminds me of Tony Hawk's Underground, where you would just go and spray your tag on stuff, maybe do some bunny hops, and uh, hit some gaps and get some achievement. Anyways, you can do it in Fortnite now too. Oh, you can do that. Yeah, yeah they copied him. Mm -hmm. Akita just says he heard a new voice inside, but before he understood it, they took everything from him, including Kohana. So is this the voice inside? That he references here. Was he like the? Was he started to gain consciousness or whatever we're calling it at this point? Way back in the day. Way back. I think it's the bicameral mind phenomenon. Yep. Back from season one, where okay. he says he hear the voices of the gods as their own. So I think at this point in the narrative, it's actually Ford's voice still guiding them, but he hears it as his own because bicameral mind. And then later, I think right now what they're all doing is actually finding their own voices, which is what's crazy. Do you think it's Ford's voice or Arnold's voice? That I'm not sure of. I mean, because Arnold's dead, but he could have left remnants. I mean, we don't yeah. know. He could have left parts of his consciousness anywhere. So yeah, they do call him the creator. So, mm -hmm. maybe. so yeah. yeah. And at this point, like you don't have to be alive to, you know, do anything. Actually. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> really good point. Cut to the Mesa Hub, where we learn that Ford had Akichita change from someone living a exquisitely dull pastoral existence into something brutal, dehumanized for the park's grand opening. The original Akichita was apparently just for beta, beta testing, which is ironic considering compared to new Akichita, he is a beta. If you think about it, a little symbolism there. Guess it depends on your definition of alpha and beta. But yeah, sure. I like how they left in the line about how they were just going to leave all the old shit in Akichita's brain because it shows how back then Ford didn't think the memories would come back. Yeah, just leave it in there. It's not like protocol to take them all out. I mean, is it is that like an indictment of Ford or is it just straight up his employees being reckless? I think it's the incompetency of Westworld. We see a lot of fucking incompetency yeah. between these like response teams that can't get shit done. Like you said, Stormtrooper AIM. Yeah. And like all these employees who besides Elsie seem to have no idea what they're doing. Yeah. Stormtrooper slash James Bond villain. Yeah. Right? We've that boss later on in the episode is like. Update them, send them back. And then they just leave them alone for four hours and don't even like stay there. Oh, we'll do it after lunch. Yeah. I love the line though. They're like, it's going to take, it's like when you update your iPhone, like, dude, fuck it. Let's go do something. It's going to take four hours. Like, and then he just gets up and like roams around cold storage. Yeah. When we get to that, I've got questions. Okay. Um, new Akichita came out breathing fire, he says. Not literally, not like Armistice. Nope. Just killing people. We see him raid a camp and brutally hack some folks to bits and then smear the blood of his enemy on his face. Don't think old Akichita would have done this. But then he keeps that. That's kind of like his thing. Yeah, it's, a, it's his the new... Hand, the bloody hands. It's like a non-temporary tattoo. 
Wait, it's like a temporary tattoo. He just does it over and over and over and over and over. Yeah, which is, it's a waste of money if you're doing that with henna. Just get a real tattoo, you pussy. <laughs> or use the blood of the innocent. Yeah, the, the innocent blood. It, it, they say it stays better because it's more saturated with, with uh, greatness. <laughs> Akita just says that in this new build, they had no masters and no fear and that they ravaged their enemies while ruling the land as they saw fit, always looking for new fools to run up on, to quote. During this time, he sends us some squad members away and then pensively looks out at the mountains we see flooded and what we believe to be the valley beyond. Why did he always go to this spot? Why was this his spot? Do we know? I mean, that's one of the... There were parts of this that really made me think Akichita was always... Like, that Ford always kind of had a plan for him and what he was going to be doing. But the thing is... William's idea was the Valley Beyond. Ford would have no idea that William was going to come up with the Valley Beyond and put it by those mountains. So why would he... This is like way, way back when he was staring at these I mountains. I don't like Robot Destiny. I don't know. There was just so much of this that seemed... Robot Destiny. You know what I mean? Like it had to be planned or like it had to be induced by somebody. I think maybe it was just a big viewpoint and potentially the park wasn't that big back then. So like that was the best thing for him to look at maybe. Because we got a lot of shots of that. Yeah. Three different ones. Yeah. I wondered if some of it has to do with when the door is and isn't visible. If it was more like Deus Ex Machina, they just like need you to see mm -hmm. it so that sometimes he sees a door and sometimes he doesn't. But you have the rosy color correct back on the shot too. So I think there's something about him edging on in light. Mm -hmm. He's edging? Jared, why? <laughs> I'm sorry. Why? It's, it, I'm sorry. So during this time, uh, that Akichita, after he sends his people away, he says that from the beginning... He felt the presence of those whose lives he was forbidden from taking. The, the newcomers. You made an edging joke. <laughs> Sorry. I didn't even make the joke. Uh, I just said, I said the, the I, I know, repeated. Just, you, you knew what you were doing. Go I on. Did. I did. Um, why do we think that Akichita had a, a super like good like predisposition to finding newcomers and being attracted to them? A super like good like predisposition to finding newcomers? Does he though? Because he, I feel like he avoids guests for a real long time because so, he doesn't get killed. He, but he says that he felt the presence of those whose lives he was forbidden from taking. Like he always felt their presence. I think that's part of the programming into the hosts. Like they have the ability to perceive when non-host entities are in the vicinity. I agree with that because it seems like he'd want to create contact with newcomers for narrative purposes. Like, oh, and then you get in this fight with this Ghost Nation guy. Right. It's like host radar, mm -hmm. basically. One of those newcomers whose presence he felt pretty close to the area we believe to be the Valley Beyond. Logan. He's back. He's back, my man. I love him so much. He's uh, kinda. He's not doing so well. He's 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 still Logan. Let's let's put that there. He appears to be mentally deranged. He's got the sun sickness, brother. Yeah. I hope you watch Logan Ramble with subtitles on because it's pretty great. <laughs> just, I wrote it all down. What does you. he say? What's Logan say? Um, first he's just mumbling a bunch of like the, the, the door, the door. And then he goes, this is an illusion. You see, this is all broken. There's gotta be a way out of here. Where is the door? There so we that go. That poor bastard just sent to wander aimlessly through the desert <laughs> naked, uh, with I, no food, no water. Uh, Aki's or Aki's response cracks me up where he just like throws a blankie on him and he's like, all right, peace out, dude. Like yeah. people are going to come for you. Like, good luck. <laughs> and he talks to him in Lakota. Logan doesn't understand Lakota. No, yeah. he does not. So but. Logan sees this guy walk up to him, give him a blanket, say something to him, and just walk away. He's like, I'm definitely dying now. <laughs> For some reason, I couldn't get like what my... I put myself in Logan's shoes. Like, hot as shit out here. All you brought me is a blanket. 
Yeah. I get it. It's like for the shade from the sun or whatever. But I When mean, he's naked. How yeah. about like share your water jug with me, dude? <laughs> Something like that. Logan also says, yeah, where's the door? Where's the door? There's got to be a fucking way out of here. This is the wrong world. Okay. Lo- and just what? for the record, like this has a big impact on on uh, Akicheta. Mm-hmm. Did I say it wrong again? Akicheta. Akicheta. And... But I literally do think Logan was just like losing his shit. Yeah. Needed to find what, if you're a person looking for an exit, you're looking for a door. But the impact that that line has yep. on Akichita is much bigger. And the that. season. The season is called The Door, and Logan came up with The Door, so boom, this season is all about Logan. But like unintentionally, but also yes. I mean, it, I feel like Logan doing something unintentionally is very Logan, something big, you know? Sure. You're a big Logan guy. Everybody knows that. Yes. Logan, Dustin, Ingles, and... uh, Ham sandwich. Yeah, and the the ham sandwich that we see. Sylvester. Logan ended up having a large impact on the season, which is amazing. Akichita gives Logan a blanket and tells him that his kind will come for him, except he says it to him in Lakota, so Logan doesn't know what he's saying. Akichita then says, I knew he had gone mad from the sun, but his words cracked something open in me. Logan has that effect on all of us. Cracking say, us open. Cracking all of us open. There just, were multiple points in this mm-hmm. episode where people said or did things that kind of like struck a chord with Akichita. Yeah. Cracked him open or whatever, like got him a step closer to enlightenment, moved him along. And I thought that was interesting. Um, I'm pretty sure Logan wasn't actually mad from the sun. I believe instead that he was simply tossed off that loud. I don't think so, Jared. I think he was... Uh, <laughs> I don't think he was high. I think he was smoking doinks. <laughs> I don't know. I've smoked a little bit of weed in my life, and I've never, I've never been quite that incoherent. You've never had Logan's Loud. It's a new strain. Oh, okay. That, that uh, new Westworld. Like, yeah. Yeah, Logan smokes uh, weed that's laced with PCP. And it's called Logan's Loud. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 Akita returned to his men and their daily tasks, one of which was trading a wild boar they caught for some like grain or something. I guess that's part of a daily loop or something. Except now, after meeting Logan, Akichita was able to remember that he'd been to that camp before. It was his camp from back in his beta days. Uh, when he sees Kohana, he has a flashback to those beta days. And this is actually what inspired that Citizen King song that everyone thinks is by Sublime. I've seen beta days, you know. I know Citizen that, Cope, dude. No, Citizen, Citizen King. It's not Citizen Cope. Oh, 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 I'm sorry. You're doing a much worse song than the one that I was singing in my head. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I've seen Beta Days. Yeah, that song is trash. Well, it's inspired by Westworld, if you didn't know that. By the way, everybody thinks that song is by Sublime. Because on LimeWire, when it was on, it said by Sublime. So everybody in the world thinks it is. What fucking year is it in your head, dude? 2005. Six. Yeah, I go in between. Okay. Um, You don't still use LimeWire? Nope. I don't think it exists. Or if it does, it just like downloads seven viruses to your computer yeah. and it's dead within an hour. Yeah. Good days. I'll put it on my, uh, or I'll use Winamp too. Better days. Akichita is staring at Kohana, but realizes she doesn't even know who he is anymore. Uh, just as her macho buff, jealous boyfriend, Etu, comes over and tells Akichita, eyes off, bucko. Yeah. Don't look at my girl. Kichita heads away from the camp after being like, I'll look at whatever I want to. Bitch. That was a cool that was a cool little confrontation though. Yeah. I think it's a nah, son. Look at your bad boy. Yeah. He says that with each passing day, 
His senses would grow stronger, and he realized that he'd lived another life before this one, and he couldn't rest until he knew how to reach it. Akichita's dialogue here was played over a scene of him talking to Anna that went directly into a shot of Maeve, which we now know is a nod to how Maeve is seeing through Anna. We see Akichita again hack the same camp to bits, except this time he doesn't slice the neck of the mustachioed man who looks exactly like Soda Popinski from Mike Tyson's Punch-Out!, because he has a flashback to kissing Kohana right before. Just going to leave it. Just going to let it breathe. Now, here's the interesting thing. He's like, he doesn't slice this guy's neck. He walks away and he's like, ah, you do it. It's yeah. not, he didn't, there was no mercy involved here. No, he no, no. just didn't want to kill no, this guy. No, he just passes that task immediately to one of his like underlings. Because he just like had that moment of realization for some reason, like that kiss flashback. He was like, oh shit, I know how to find Koha. Like, fuck all this. Like, I'm going to go do it. Oh, okay. But I, I thought he was as like part of his loop. It's still <laughs> his responsibility to make sure that dude gets his throat cut, <laughs> puts his boy on it. Who yeah. does it in the exact same fashion, by the way. If you like pay close attention to the throat slitting, which I do because I'm sick, then it was the exact same. <laughs> we cut to Akichita walking through the desert saying... Perhaps this life was not my true life. This world was not my true home, but she was. Again, as he goes to that bluff, looking out at those valley beyond mountains. And it's super red. And it's super red. Enlightenment. We learn that he was retracing his steps because, like all of us, he was looking for some more Logan in his life. He refers to Logan simply as a newcomer and never makes reference to remembering him from the demonstration. Do we think he remembers Logan from the demonstration? I don't think so. I don't know. I don't know from the demo, but then when he runs into the man in black, he remembers him. So it's like, I think his sentient memories start after he is already like in the park. In the park. Yeah. I can see that. What they're referring to, Logan and uh, what was her name? Angela? Yeah. Are the two that took Logan. I'm sorry. Akacheta and and, uh, Angela. Angela. Are the two that took Logan and did did the demonstration. And then Karen was there and Mike Tomlinson. Sure. They were both there too. Uh huh. And he doesn't seem to have any memory of that. No. It appears as if he does not remember anything from before he was put into the park, which is sad because I would love to see him be like, dude, remember I, that time we I, hung? Yeah. We were like, they might have been in an orgy together. I don't, I'm not entirely sure, but it, it was there. I mean, it does seem like there ended up being some fucking going on mm-hmm. there. After not finding Logan, Akichita says he rode farther than ever before until he found the way out himself. And if you play Fortnite and didn't immediately think of Dusty Divot when you saw the Valley Beyond, you're insane. It looks exactly like Dusty Divot. Okay. I didn't, I didn't think of it, but I'm glad you did. Well, because Ross doesn't play Fortnite. I'm insane, apparently. Seeing the uh, Valley Beyond causes Akichita to say, this is the wrong world. And this is the best shot we get in the entire episode of The Valley Beyond. What the fuck is it? What do we think? Like, what is it they're building there? Yeah, do we still think it's the, it's the big server that holds all the, the human memories and the human data? Or do we think it's something else? I mean, let's talk about what we see here, right? You're talking about the scene where we get the dugout hole. Yep. It's and clearly we, being worked on still, the construction scene. And we, and we see all the shit inside of it. We see a little building that's like on a little plateau down inside the hole. And we see all these really tall towers yeah okay now that you're reminding me never mind i absolutely didn't think of dusty divot sorry Mm -hmm. i wasn't like clicking on the same scene as you but i don't know it seemed like there was a lot of uh, room for like fibers like to you know like wiring and shit 
like all those pipes that were coming down and like going to the side. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we see the door. Mm -hmm. Where does that door go? Well, what door? We don't see the door. Don't we? Well, it's all the door, I think. Unless no, no, no. There's a very specific part of it. There's a big ass door. What? Yeah. Wait, I totally missed this. Yeah, Luke? I, I believe that it happened, but I did not see it. Luke, you're the tying vote here, so what do you think? Hold on. He's right now, we have two no Jared doors turn his light, one his door. Mic on. I have no idea what it was because, I mean, I was trying to pay attention to and like when I went back on my second rewatch, I paused and I looked at it for a little while to see okay, what so exactly we were looking all, at. Everything on, the, I guess, the far left side, there's a little fucking square that at one point... Akichita kind of focuses on. That's the door. Like, it's over here to the left. I mean, now we're looking at a photo of it where I can't really... <laughs> it's behind him in that photo, though. So, like, there's all that shit in the middle, kind of tubing and whatnot going everywhere. And then on the left, to the left of that, the far left side of what would be, like, the, the you know, caverned-out area, it looked like, to me, there was a door or, a, like, an elevator lift or some shit, which could be the exact exit point that these people are all going for i think the door is not an actual exit point like logan was referring to but rather a metaphorical jared's one. looking at me like i'm an idiot right now so i don't think I you're really stupid. Hope I'm right i don't this. think you're stupid i just think that I we, swear we've outnumbered you i mean through both of my rewatches my first one i was like okay this is what william definitely brought dolores to earlier i couldn't really get a feel for it and then i was like Maybe it's like a train. I don't know, but I don't think that was it at all. And then I kind of thought the server thing too, but I'm not positive. Right. I mean, I mean well, okay. So let's let's talk about everything we know about this door situation. Luke just touched on a lot of it. We know it was William's idea, right? Yeah. To develop what ends up being the weapon, right? Mm -hmm. That Dolores, he takes her and she has seen it and she wants to get to it. We know everybody's going to end up there most likely next episode. We also are pretty certain we're going to see the whole scene of William showing it to Dolores, and that's when we learn out what it is. Right. I said learn out. That's a new saying. Sure. Uh, point being, I swear I saw an exit point or whatever, a big door. I think... Yeah, go on. No, I think it's... Um, at this point, I agree it's more what the door represents, and I don't know what explicitly is on the other side of it, but I do think... One thing that is interesting is that for hosts, like they want what's on the other side of the door, which is supposedly like freedom or a way out of. Oh, kiss my white that's ass! That's not a door, bro. That's, that is, is a that door. a door? Turn the brightness up on the computer. Yeah, turn the. We're looking at a picture of the door. So what I mentioned earlier was the, the little plateau door. down inside the hole that housed the sort of building, and then th there was a hole next to that that had all the tall towers, and Ross seems to think. Okay, it's it's either a door or an air conditioning, but it's one of those two things. HVAC? I'm right either way. Okay, but you, you see what I'm talking about, though. On the far left side, which is what we're looking at right now on this screen that you guys can't see, which I know is great podcasting. You're welcome. Is that a... How many minutes? It's at least square. 2407, if it's you want It's at least a look. square, right? It does look like an entry or an exit. It could be a door. Um, okay, know. for all you uh, nerds out there, if you played World of Warcraft, it looks like the portal that takes you oh, into... Uh, Whatever the Burning Crusade expansion pack world was. What? Yeah. Dude, what? Yeah. I just went there. I played some WoW back in the day. Fuck with me. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Anyways, we cut to Akichita literally kidnapping Kohana against her will. <laughs> this is kind of weird. Well, but yeah, I mean, he has no choice. She doesn't know who he is. Well, this scene made me realize that Akichita's storyline is basically that of a, like, 
insane kidnapper, I came to the realization that you're my world and I needed to do anything it took to be with you and escape the confines of society. Yes. At every point that I was like, I was trying to put myself in the perspective of one of the people he's trying to explain himself to, he just comes off as a totally insane person. He's a nut job. Yeah, I mean, this is a, you know, this could be what happens to crazy people in our world all the time. Maybe they just know more than we do. Akichita washes off all the paint from his body. Ross, do you know why he does this? So she has a better chance of recognizing who the fuck he is. Exactly. Why'd you ask me? I was just I was just seeing if just you to knew. see if I was that fucking stupid. I'm seeing how woke you are. I'm I'm woke enough for that. This is a woke. I'm test. the one who found the door. <laughs> you did not find you, the door. You did no find door. the door. There's no door. <laughs> That's not the door. There's no door there. That's an air conditioning. <laughs> uh, he then takes Kohana to a field where he undoes her restraints and then says to her, "Take my heart when you go." To which she responds, "Take mine in its place." She kicks Suya's. Yeah. I mean, he get he, you know, this is that whole, he passes a little bit of enlightenment onto her. She, she clicks, she gets, she remembers something she's not supposed to remember. Mm-hmm. Akichita says to Kohana, this world, it's wrong. This is not the world we belong in. I think I found the way out. Let me show you. Does it not seem a little easy to you for these hosts to trigger memories within other hosts? It took one line. Yeah, what if he just accidentally had said that, like, through some sort of improvisation when she just had I been... Mean, look, I'm not a math guy, but I think the odds of that happening would be pretty low. It's just, I found it interesting that all he had to do was remember one line that they had shared together, hit her with it, and that, like, got her to remember who he was. Mm-hmm. They could just go around doing that with every person they'd ever met, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I don't know, just me. He again goes out to that bluff, uh, but everything looks a little different. It looks like there's more. The Kanye Mountains. The what? The Kanye Mountains. Yeah. The Kanye Mountains. Yep. We see the Kanye Mountains. Yeah, it's still in the background. The desert looks a little bigger. And how is the color in this scene? Again, I have the the red color correct, right, as they're looking on the place where the door should be. And Hmm. it was really, really noticeable this time. If you are in the industry, <laughs> I have no idea. I still don't even like know the the, the color contrast. I mean, you you would notice like the at least subliminally you would notice the differences in color contrast. But like, unless you're intern Serena or somebody who has a good eye for that shit, you wouldn't have been like. Bing. Well, I think you probably all notice it subconsciously because oh, I noticed uh, it for sure. Because color is supposed to be like a subconscious thing that you see and then you know that the story is going to be different but most people aren't like oh that has a sepia color cast on it like that's fucking stupid but i think you do like notice subconsciously and it puts you in a certain mindset right just like you notice a a valencia instagram filter yeah right like when people say no filter and you're like i know that's clarendon exactly it's fucking clarendon bitch whatever it's subconscious like storytelling shit um the door is gone it's gone now was just buried it's buried. So it must have been a while. Much like the Cave of Wonders in Aladdin. Boom! I've been waiting forever to get an Aladdin reference in here, and I just did it. Are you a big Aladdin fan? I love Aladdin, dude. I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, now you do. Okay. That kind of changes things. Does it? Yeah. I just ruined the show, didn't Is, is that your favorite Disney movie? Oh, man. It probably is, yeah. Huh. Doesn't he not have nipples? Oh... Can you really prove that anybody has nipples, Jared? That's true. Let's see this. Aladdin. I have nipples, Are you Greg. typing in Aladdin nipples? Because that no. could end badly. Can you uh, move me? Aladdin does not have nipples, confirmed. Cool. So that's, there's, your, there's your god, Ross. Free the nipple. He's like Kyle XY, but for nipples instead of belly the buttons. What's the Instagram movement? 
Free the nipple. Free the nipple, Free yeah. the nip or the nipple? I think either, depending on how cash you're being. Yeah, if you're yeah. being cash and a breathing stuff. I mean, we got to be like a minimum, I mean, maximum of two years away from female nipples being okay in any situation, right? Yeah, I think We're so. We're breaking through all these walls, and yet it's still okay to see my nipples, but nobody, like no chicks? That's just weird. I was walking through Zilker Park two weekends ago, and there was just some topless chick walking around, which I think is well, legal. Well, Austin issue more than anything. It's allowed in it's allowed at Zilker? Specifically? Yeah, they don't, that's weird. It's not allowed. Intern Luke doesn't have his mic on, I don't think. But you, they're not going to arrest you for that. Right? Like, oddly enough, one time when I was jogging around Town Lake, two hippies women, two hippie women, I assume they're hippies, I don't know. <laughs> they look like hippies because they didn't have clothes on. We're riding bicycles topless. Huh. That was years ago. What Austin, we've found? been on the front of this whole women uh, topless thing for a long time. At least for an American country. I mean, in an American, American city. country. <laughs> no, you mean, you, mean, you mean the Americas, like I was saying I earlier. do, I mean in the Americas, yeah. Because in Europe, <laughs> Thank you. everybody's topless all the time. That's what I heard. Yeah, and the dudes are in Speedos, too. It goes both ways. Yeah. So. Yep. Hairy dudes. A lot of hair. Big hairy dudes. I've seen Euro trip. <laughs> uh, Kichina knows that he and Kohana together can find the door once again. We got a cutesy scene here. Uh, I feel I've loved you for so many lifetimes. Are you trying to force in and is it cheesy? No. I have one written in, in a few lines. Okay, good. I'm just saying it's a very it's a very intentionally romantic scene. Are you not comfortable with love, Jared? No, I'm not. That's sad. I, I'm a hard shell of a man. I'm like a five-day-old biscuit. I'm just rock solid. Ross, I feel like you usually don't like the, the sappy scenes. I'm surprised you're pro-love uh, in this one. I don't like the sappy scenes that are forced and i didn't feel like any of this episode was forced i like jared just described it i thought i thought it was all very genuine and cool i thought the way yeah. the whole the way this whole story unfolded none of it came off as like all right we need to mix some romance in here it was just it was very genuine and good to me uh akita says the true world is close at hand here i can feel it it's calling to us kohana says what's on the other side and akita says somewhere our memories will be safe were any of those your is it cheesy line no what is it what is it it's in a few lines when he says, um, I've looked everywhere for my love, but the other side of death. I like that line. Oh, sorry. Ross? I like, I'm not, I didn't get, there was no moment that I can recall so far in this episode where I was like, ooh, that's going to be our, is it cheesy? When that line came on, I felt like Elle Woods in Legally Blonde when she's watching the rom-coms and she like throws the chocolate at the screen and she's like, boo, that was literally <laughs> me in that moment. <laughs> okay. Okay. Akista is then like, "No, I swear the door is totally real, babe. Just like let's let's find <laughs> it." It definitely seems like he's lying if you're Kohana, but she's all in on him. Yeah, I mean, I get it. It's not a good look. He's like, "All right, I've got this. It's crazy. I've got to show you." <laughs> they make this long ass journey, and then he's like, "Okay, well, it's not there anymore, but I swear it was though." He looks fucking crazy right now. And Kohana's all in. We call this Stockholm syndrome. That is exactly <laughs> what this is. Yeah, when you start to love your kidnapper. So, it's <laughs> really what this episode's about. I mean, it's a beautiful iteration of it, but it's it's about somebody who falls in love with their kidnapper. I mean, yeah, you could break it down to that, Jared. And so in this scene, this very cutesy scene, they appear to be laying on the ground, um, which is a real shame because they could have been sleeping on a Lisa mattress. Beautiful. Yes. Thank well you. Done. Well done, Very, Jared. very seamless. Just no force. You nope. know? I, Just I'm, like the show, unforced. Right. Unforced, seamless plugs. A quality night's sleep helps you recover from distractions in life faster, prevent burnout, make better decisions, improve your memory, and be the best podcaster you can be. Right, Ross? That is correct, sir. 
Ross and I both sleep every single night of our lives on Lisa mattresses. And Lisa pillows. And Lisa pillows. I do sleep on a Lisa pillow as well. I have never got better sleep in my life, and I'm being honest with you. I like, I sleep longer. I sleep sounder. Is that a, a sounder? More soundly? Like, more soundly. It seems like if there were sounds when I was sleeping, I would wake up, but I don't because I'm on a Lisa mattress. I'm going to have to disagree with you there. I have a sound machine that plays beach noises while I sleep. Oh. It's wow. tight. Also can play nice. thunderstorm noises. Jared, how old are you? 25. Jared looked like he was a 42-year-old man when we started doing this show. Yeah. Then he got a Lisa mattress, and now he looks 28. So yeah. not quite his age, but getting better. And if I shave my beard, I look 15. Fun fact. Okay. So to design a better mattress, Lisa leveraged 30-plus years of experience and hundreds of hours of testing, a.k.a. Ciencia, to develop the perfect mattress for all body shapes and sleeping styles. Ross, how do you sleep? I'm a on-my-side guy. Serena? I, all positions, usually on my stomach. I sleep like Pippi Longstocking with the feet at the top of the bed. Okay. And it's still, even with my very unique sleeping style, the Lisa mattress works. I just have to say I don't have a Lisa mattress and I'm constantly in pain. There we go. It is rare that a Jared joke makes me as happy as that just did. The Pippi Longstocking Are you picturing reference. it? I'm picturing Jared with like the like braids with the right. hanger, like the ginger ones. He has the wig on in my mind. And the stockings. It's a problem. This is a problem. Lisa.com slash freeze. 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 Thanks, Andrew. Serena, we gotta get you a Lisa. You gotta you're living wrong. You I gotta know. get a Lisa. You need it. Freeze is also a promo code you can use, but Lisa.com slash freeze is where freeze. the big ballers go. Freeze, thank you, Luke. $160 off a Lisa mattress right now. That's a huge Damn. deal. $160 off for the best sleep you're ever going to get. We only endorse products that we love. And Ross and I legitimately sleep on these every night. We love them. Everybody loves them. The Lisa mattress. They donate one mattress for every 10 they sell. They also plant a tree for every order they receive. It's, it's incredible. It's a great company, a great mission, a great product. Lisa.com slash freeze. Get freeze. on it. Thanks, freeze. Intern Luke. <laughs> freeze. Freeze. That was my Intern Luke impression. Freeze. Here's mine. <laughs> Freeze. <laughs> Speaking of crying, we get a sad scene here. Delos texts, take Kohana because she's wandered too far off her loop. Akita's horse does nothing to stop them, by the way. Yo, why? Okay, so how'd they find... See what you, Okay. They find Kohana. Yes. How come at no point in the many, many years of the wonderful Native American man whose name I keep butchering and I can only think of it in the wrong way, so I'm not even going to say it. Akichita. Akichita, thank you. They never come and get him like that. Possibly because he is an alpha and the new. they might have upgraded to the new system that doesn't track him, potentially. I mean, that's an important distinction, though. But then you would... Was she... She would have been an alpha too. Oh, well, she might have died. No, man. She could have died. She's very clearly been switched up and probably updated and shit. Yeah, yeah. So that, I think that's a possibility. I think maybe they can't track him because, you know, the, the new system doesn't track the alpha hosts. Bernard has to go down into the into the cellar. The I just, I, look, I know we're suspending disbelief. It's a television show. It, we love the show. But I keep going, like, if this episode, more than any, you go back to what intern Serena was talking about earlier. The the people they hire to work at this fucking theme park are just incompetent. Like there is a ton of incompetence from top to bottom, all the way yes. around. Just like at every company. I mean, sure, but <laughs> except ours, and there is just <laughs> it's uh, it's just a lot of mistakes being made. Yeah, 
I mean, I, I really do think, though, like, they're not going to go check on her just because she's, like, pretty far away from where she should be. Like, she might be with a guest or something. It's not going to raise a flag until she's really, really far off her I'm loop. just saying, like, Elon Musk, whoever else is working on this type of shit in the real world, for the love of God, keep track of your robots. Yeah. All right? Don't just let them wander around for 30 years uh, gaining consciousness and shit looking for buried doors. Come Please. get your bots. Come get your bots. <laughs> Akicha's horse does nothing to stop him, like I said. I, they, the doom buggy goes right behind the horse, and the horse is just chilling there. What do you want the horse to do? A horse kick. A horse kick. That's a good point. You know, like where they kick the two back legs up. But it's a host horse. It's going to do like host horse things and not hurt humans. A host horse thing. Everybody knows. A doom, a doom buggy's not a human, though. You know, the horse kick is it's actually true. my go-to there's attack. Okay. So do, are you facing I kick backwards? Up my, I kick up on my hands, <laughs> and I just kick my legs out. How does Bruce feel about that? Deadly. Does he think you're a real horse and freak out? I think Bruce thinks he's a human. And I I don't know what I am, what I think I am. Blazing Saddles with Ross Bolin. I don't know what I think I am. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, and Akichita has been cucked once more. His wife has been taken from him. Oh, Jerry. Why are you going to make something so beautiful, so ugly? And he got cucked. Akichita went back to the village to find Kohana, but she'd been replaced and I wish Akichita had pulled a Maeve versus New Clementine and just slit her throat, you know, like, oh, I won't take no substitutes. But that's not what happened. <laughs> I won't take no substitutes? Yeah. Okay. No. It's actually the I exact line. I don't want line. no subs. I thought it was cool how he got subs out of there before she could, like... getting no love from me. Boom. Wow. Who she, sings that? TLC. That's what I thought. Yeah. And TLC stands for... R.I.P. Left Eye. Total Request Live. Yes. No. <laughs> no, that's right. With Carson Daly. <laughs> Tender Love and Care. Akichita, uh, back in this village, he uh, he's not he's not too happy that his that his woman has been replaced. Well, no, you wouldn't be either. I would not be. We cut back to Akichita talking to Anna, and he tells her he knew he'd find Kohana eventually, but that first he had to face the journey before him. We get a hint to Akichita talking to Maeve here because he says, "You know the journey." I mean, like why would why would Anna know this journey? I think the journey. Not that he's hit. talking about. This is like I had no fucking. I, I was like, wait, what? No, she doesn't. Yeah, I didn't put that together until you just said it right now. So like, oh. yeah, that's him directly talking to Maeve. Yes, doesn't make sense until the end of the episode. But she does it again another time. That's even more direct. But uh, yeah, I think that the journey is like you. You can look at it a bunch of different ways because Maeve makes a lot of journeys, and so does Akichita. I think this is the journey like to into the Mesa Hub specifically because he says he saw through their lies and he knew that Kohana wasn't dead. So his journey was to find Kohana, meaning that he would have to go and infiltrate their world, as right. in like where they're keeping Kohana. Right. Yeah. Okay. On this journey, we see Akichito walk through Las Mudas, which is Lawrence's hometown, and Sweetwater, two places we have seen the maze design that we now know Akichito did. The Westworld graffiti artist is going around carving the maze on, the maze on stuff. Maze? Maze? Are we... He's back on his bullshit. He's just out there <laughs> carving mazes and everything. Uh, I like this addition. I was just like kind of explaining how all the mazes got everywhere. I thought it was interesting. I did too. I, actually, when I first watched the episode, I was a little like, felt like it was lackluster after the first watch. And my first comment was, at least now we know where all these mazes came from. Second Ooh. watch, I changed my mind. Very mm -hmm. revealing uh, comment. Oh, well, somebody wasn't a big fan of the show. We weren't a big fan of the episode, Aww. at least at first. Maybe sounds like probably just in general. 
To be fair, I was eating uh, my first Austin fried chicken, so I might not have had all my attention What'd directed in the right place. Gus's? Gus's? Yeah. I've heard Gus's is good. I've not had it. Are we a big fried chicken city? We have some good fried chicken here. Do we? Apparently, Gus is good. Temple 22 is good. We were like a taco city. Oh, we are a taco city. I thought you were like a brisket city. Oh, or a barbecue city. Barbecue, Tex Mex, and tacos. Which Tex Mex, yeah. That's that's what Austin does. But Serena comes in and just has to go get the fried chicken from Gus's. It's good, though, for real. Like, we've had it here. Everything was closed by the time I was getting food. Okay, that makes sense. So, yeah. Akichita almost died multiple times during his search, and we see him crawling just like the man in black at one point, only to be aided by Anna. Uh, Kichita switches to English here and says, but on my darkest day, you helped me, talking to Anna because she can understand English and not Lakota. You gave me the strength to keep going. You saw me for who I really was. Um, At this point, if you're Anna, you should have been like, hey, hey, I understand that language. Can we (laughs) stick with that one for the rest of your story, please? Yeah, that would have been nice. But she's too young and thus probably didn't want to speak up to an authority figure. She's very polite. Great Maeve manners. did well. Maeve did well. Maeve's Manners is the book that she makes her children read. That she wrote. Maeve's Manners. Akijita says he returned to his village to see more of his family uh, had been replaced. And he wasn't the only one who noticed anymore. With Choppy, the elder woman, tells Akijita about the whole legend of the below that her people talk about. And Akijita's like, eh, might as well try that one out now. Tried everything else. He talked like that too. If- exact quote. This shows that it's more than just Akichita who now have some idea of the existence of something fishy going on because now there's a whole nother like sect of the Ghost Nation people who have this theory or, or this, what is it called, a legend? Yeah. Uh, this new legend they made up. In season one, uh, I said it was an Easter egg that Ghost Nation had carvings of Delos text and new stuff about how Delos worked and I'm going to say that that theory is denied. This is the first denied theory Damn. that I've had. Because it's the only one that I will officially deny. I've had so many wrong theories this this season and last season. But, but that's the first one. That right? I will yeah. deny. Because I went all in on it. Ross, you disagreed with me. And I was like, no, no, no. No, no, no. Easter egg. And I had somebody hit me up. He's like, dude, it's totally an Easter egg. Like, thanks. Can't and wait to be right about the door just like I was right about that. Jared actually intentionally throws in some wrong theories so that you guys don't feel intimidated by the amount of times that he's right. It's only fair to like level the playing field to be wrong every once in a while. So what you don't know is it was actually intentionally wrong. Wow. Yep. That's the thing is, if I was just total all my right theories and I'm just Reddit and we don't like Reddit. What a nice guy you are. Thank you. Not a hero. No, I'm not a hero. See, that's the thing, Ross. You said nice guy. That's fine. But if you had called me a hero, that's incorrect. Nice guy, Jared. Nice guy, Jared. Unbelievable. New meme. This is just next level. We see Akichita again hack some folks to bits at that camp. Those folks getting hacked. But this time he has a guest stab him. He went out just like Maeve getting stabbed that first time. Yeah, he just walks over to this dude. He's like, all right, buddy. Hit me. Yeah. <laughs> hit me. And then, and then he, and he, the guy's going to shoot him. And he's like, no, 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 buddy. I'm going to stab this one. That was <laughs> his his friend was gonna shoot him. He's those, like, "This one's mine." What are those two dudes doing? <laughs> they're just standing over there watching shit go. go I think down? they're supposed to be fur trappers because that one guy has the raccoon hat, and I know that like actual God. I hope I'm not wrong, but I think like actual Sioux Native Americans were in the region where there's lots of fur trapping. So I think the storyline is something to do with like, oh, like the trappers come in and they're hunting and they quarrel with the local native tribe. 
That's but my take. I, I don't get like, why were those dudes just standing I there they chilling? Were guests. I thought they were guests too, because they're just standing oh, there chilling while right? this whole I mean, massacre yeah. goes down. I, I assume they're guests because earlier when he's going through that same scenario in the background, you can see like two other people, and one of them is like dropping the, the gun, gun up yeah. and down. Yeah, they're just but playing. I, they're with just it, jacking so. around. Like, yeah, we're just a couple of guests. It's possible one of them was like a host, like the the one that shows them the guest around. Serena, you're getting too smart for your own good. No, I think I trappers. confused myself. I think it was like the the mustache dude that she said. Look, I thought it was those people. Oh, yeah. Soda Popinski. Yeah. <laughs> God, Jared. No, but yeah, I'm, I thought they were just two doofuses. Who were like, <laughs> Let's we're, go with that one. We're too scared to get really involved. I had searched everywhere for my love except the other side of death. Not cheesy. Confirmed. I still think it's so cheesy. I love it. We got one vote for cheesy. Luke, you're the tiebreaker. I'm going not cheesy. Three to one. Wow. I, I enjoyed the line. Unbelievable. Akijita's death stunt led to him getting recalled for aberrant behavior. He doesn't just go right in to get like fixed up. He gets recalled for aberrant behavior. Because they can tell he just walked over and let a dude stab him. Yeah. And we find out that he is an Alpha 2 build, meaning he hasn't been updated in nine years. By the way, the management, the, the uh, woman who comes in, and they inform her of this. They're like, holy shit, this dude, it's been a decade almost since he's been updated. And she's like, why does she say, like, just do it quietly, sweep it under the rug, hit him with the fucking update, and throw him back into the park? I think she realized she'd get in trouble if anyone found out this host hadn't been checked in nine years. So she's saving her own ass. Yeah. It's also got to be a high score, right? Got, has to be, nine years must be a high score. Oh, it has to be. That's a very long time to make it out there without ever dying at any point. Well, and there, also there's a chance that they already know something's up with the alpha build, so they're like trying to be extra on getting like updating those alpha build yeah, posts. That's definitely got to be part of it. I mean, what happens if this lady isn't, you know, worst employee of the month and does what she should have done, which is like take him to her boss or something? You know what I mean? Yeah. If you're a super, lot of this from here on out can be attributed to that woman being a terrible manager. If you're super conspiracy theory, she looks into Akichita's eyes. And then says, like, put him back in the park. You could maybe think that wow. that he controlled her. But I think like that's she's a, little... a host? Yes. We know that Ford's done it before, making important people hosts. What an outrageous jump. She, she, he, she looks right into his eyes. I'm just, this is a crackpot theory. There we go. Boom. I'm putting it out there. Crackpot theory this number the one for this episode. Definition of a crackpot theory right here. Akichita gets up and walks around the Mesa Hub to uh, Javadi's cover of Nirvana's heart-shaped box that we heard in the trailer. And I think it's like actually relevant this time because the lyrics to that song are been stuck inside your heart shaped box for weeks, which is like I've been trapped in a world that gives the illusion of reality, but isn't. Yeah. Boom. So how did he just straight up get up here? That's a phenomenal, phenomenal question. Why is he not in sleep so, mode or updating or he can just do whatever he wants? What the fuck? This was like, you know how Maeve was able to end up doing this it? This is Maeve-esque. Yeah. Maeve did it because of Ford. Okay. That's where my question's about yeah. Ford's involvement or someone's involvement in a Kechita spring from. A Kechita. But uh, the, thing, the question is also, you can make the argument that like the technology was a lot worse back when the park was first starting out, so they might have less protocols in place to prevent this from happening. But then my question is, how did he know to go all the way to cold storage? That's so far away from where they were. People were upset about this. Um, and I think the only way, look, okay. Like I saw in The Ringer, one of their writers said this was the biggest leap of faith 
that the show has ever asked us to make. And I think, okay, that's fair. Which thing? That he just, he what? He had an endless amount of time to wander around the entire facility until he found the needle in the haystack that is cold storage. With no one seeing him, no one stopping him, nothing. He's not being led around like Maeve was at the point where, you know, there's not a tech with him. Well, Maeve, Maeve ran around once by herself. She was naked that one time. Okay. The, the first time. Well, he's not naked either. I, that wasn't like a, a distinguishing factor. I, anyways. It is for Being me. Being naked does not um, enhance your enlightenment, contrary to popular belief. Although they say if you're like, it doesn't? If you're naked and greased up, people aren't going to want to tackle you, they say. Because they don't want to be like, oh, I touched his penis. They don't want to like have to deal with that. They want to just like let him Who be. Who told you that, Jared? That's a true story. When did you learn that? Uh, street smarts. Yeah, street smarts. This is like a Borislow uh, piece of knowledge they hand down from generation to generation. Yeah. If you're naked and oiled up, no one will touch you because they're scared to touch your penis. We learned about quicksand growing up. We learned about how to get away from an alligator. And we learned to grease yourself up and, and be naked if you don't want to get... family, man. You I just are... learned a, a new one about getting a money clip with a $50 bill in it. And you, uh, <laughs> you throw it yes. and say, here, take this. And then the, the mugger takes the money yes. clip instead of you. It's uh, John Mulaney. Yeah, thanks, John Mulaney. Thank you, John Mulaney. Do you like John Mulaney? I have no idea what's going on right now. It's a stand-up. You should watch oh, it. Oh, damn. It's okay. a John Mulaney podcast yes. now. Okay. We're all about John okay, Mulaney. Okay, I'll, I'll watch that. I like so, stand-up. I don't know how much Ford is involved in this. I mean, if you said he was, I wouldn't be surprised. But he says he's been like, keeping an eye on him. Is he like, does that include making him do some shit to like, I don't know. him on? I don't but know. I'm, again, you got to go straight to like the incompetency thing of the employees. How is it that this dude could wander around until he found cold storage with nobody noticing but you can make jumps like maybe it was the middle of the night and those two guys that went on lunch break were the only two working. And yeah, they eat lunch in the middle of the night. Yeah, it's totally. The <laughs> night shift people eat lunch at some point, Jared. It's just different than your lunch. It's not it's called, called lunch. lunch. It's called fifth or fourth meal like well, Taco Bell. But they didn't have a three preceding meals. You wake up in the middle of the night, you eat breakfast, then you have lunch a few hours later. It's just a different world that you don't know about. So if I woke up at 8 p.m., I would have breakfast for dinner. Yes. We have graveyards, so our, our work is a 24-hour facility because it's production. Uh -huh. And the graveyard shift, I, like I come in at 8 a.m. and they're eating what they call dinner. They're like microwaving soup, and I'm like, this is weird. Yeah, that Jared, is weird. you ignorant slut. <laughs> I don't now, know. Think about, shout out to all the nurses out there who like work the night shift, and Jared's just openly disrespecting their lifestyle, pretending they can't have lunch. Yeah. No, yeah. You, you can <laughs> Sad. Only, you can only eat the meal for the time of day it is for us normies. That's what I say. You disgust me. We, we love nurses here on this podcast. We do. What? Hello, nurse. <laughs> like Luke is just coming in with some knowledge about <laughs> how much we love nurses. He looked really happy to share it. I don't really know why, but it is what it is. Just because Jared was disrespecting them for okay. a minute there. Okay. So. I All have right. no... My mother is a nurse practitioner. I was just I have, about to say, someone's mom's got to be a nurse. I have zero disrespect for nurses. Yeah. And let's move on with we the podcast. We cleared that up then. Okay. I'm glad, I'm glad we clarified. Akita just says, seeing Kohana made him see that his pain was selfish. Oh, did I, did I say that he found her? Because he found her yeah, in cold storage. Yeah, he found storage. her in the midst of the cold storage room with all the naked people, uh, naked hosts that are all... Naked. So are those hosts are completely void of any information, empty. They're, they're done, Ski. It's well, over they've for been lobotomized. So it, they got it, no more brain thing in there? They have brain. It's just they've had like their shit fucked up with the little spinny drills. Yeah, I've seen one flew over the cuckoo's nest. Because Clementine, like, she got lobotomized, and it's kind of like a human getting lobotomized. Lobotomized, like, you're still there. You're just not 
anything that makes you you anymore yeah okay. it's like the it's basically if there's a soul and there's a body being lobotomized takes out most of what you'd call your soul hmm. Mm-hmm. Hmm. so yeah he says that his pain was selfish he can see now as it was only it was never only his pain this was a cool revelation yeah everybody in cold storage had someone who mourned their loss even if they didn't know why so up until this point everything he's done has been born of like his self, his what he, his love for what's her name, Kohana. Kohana, and he realizes now like it's not about him. There's a bigger picture here, and becomes like a man of the people instead of just about his own shit. Yes. So he returns to Wichapi and says, "We and who's the the elder woman?" and says, "We cannot get them back, but I know how to close that door and open another one." Also, I took your son's hair. Now, he, yes, he whips out her son's ponytail. And I've never seen somebody start crying faster. She, there wasn't like a, oh, my God, and then cry. She just saw the ponytail and immediately, like, but it's, it's burst like into a, tears. It's, you know, like a, she's mourning. It's like a joyful cry, too, almost, because she at least has, it's something, you know, a sign of her son that he is somewhere because she doesn't know anything about what happened to him. I'm going to ask the question that everybody else is too scared to ask. Where did... Akicha to store this ponytail when he came back into the park. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I know the jump you want me to make. um, And I made it in my head. I'm not going to make it out loud. Uh, There's no... He doesn't have pockets. He glued it onto his own head. It's possible. Okay, maybe like... And then ripped it out savagely. Like an extension. Yeah. (laughs) The wig department. Yeah, maybe that was one of the wigs. They're just carrying around all these random little strands of hair. And that's why it looked like a bad wig. Uh Get your mind out of the gutter, Jared. I'm, I'm sorry. It's all right. Anyways. Sorry, I can't stop thinking about where he put that thing. Okay. Akita just says, <laughs> we were all bound together, the living and the damned. You're picturing it like hanging out a little bit like a tail? <laughs> I was picturing it glued right above like a tail, to be honest. Like pin oh, yeah? the tail on the uh, Akichita. Akichita. <laughs> hey, that might be, that might have been what it was. Because like, if I see that, I'm not going to be like, hey, that's wrong. I'd be like, S, one of the hosts is, or one of like the techs is fucking around again. They're, They're playing. playing pin the tail on the Akichita. <laughs> Everybody knows that game. That's gotta be. That's like a, a classic lunchtime party game. Classic. Yeah, right. In the West World. We should get that. We have a, a fan party. We got to get pin the tail on a kichita. You always hear about bachelorette parties playing pin the tail on the a kichita. That's a big bachelorette party. Game. Yeah. yeah. But you're blindfolded, so you know it can be a lot different. Right. Yeah. It can it can right. store it a lot of different places. Yeah. Then it gets weird. The last line of the living in the damned was played over a shot of Maeve's body as Lee was walking in, apologizing to Maeve for getting her all shot up, which is a hundred percent his fault. Let's be honest. Okay, so what what is the turning point here for Lee? What made him suddenly realize, like, he's real upset about this. He feels terrible about what he's done to Maeve. Because he went from yeah. calling, basically betraying her, to what happened between that and this that makes him like, oh, my God, this is so wrong. He never wanted her to get hurt. He just was out to save his own ass. I don't think he was betraying her when he called. I think he was just like, yo, I'm a human and I'm sick of almost dying. So I'm going to dip out. I think he always would have tried to save Maeve. But like he must have known like there's a good chance that if he goes and gets help, he'll just shoot her because they're shooting all the hosts. So the experience of having this journey that he's gone on with her over the past seven episodes leads him to a place where he no longer sees her as just a host, not real. He thinks she is at least you know, deserving of his respect and the opportunity to try to find her daughter. Yes, I think when he, she thanks him, he knew that was not like her to like thank somebody for helping them out. 
And so that was like, oh shit. And he thought about it, but he's like, I still want to save myself. And then after seeing her get shot, he was like, oh no, I don't want that. No. Why hasn't he changed clothes? Yeah, I was I was cracking up at him in his stable boy outfit delivering this like yeah. sappy speech. And it's because he's it. adorable. Okay. Why? I don't know if it's like because you're such a big fan of him, but he reminds me of you now, Jared. Like when I see Lee, Thank you. I'm like, the fuck does he look like Jared to me for? <laughs> he really does kind of look like Jared though, like I think Logan looks more like Jared. Like yeah, a more put a together, cleaned up, like hygiene appreciative Jared. I was honestly thinking the exact same thing. I Seriously. was like, Lee's starting to remind me of Jared. It's so. freaking me out, man. And it's like, it's him specifically in the stable boy outfit that makes me think, Jared. Next Halloween costume? I might. I actually That actually sounds amazing. Oh, dude, you have to do it. I might you do have that. to do it. You should. I don't, I don't have a lasso with me. And you have to go around calling it a lasso. Lasso. Yeah. Oh, my lasso. That joke will be great for all the people who get it. Yeah, that will be great. Anyway. I'll come here just for Halloween to laugh at your joke. Yeah. Sixth Street Halloween. I don't know if anybody from out of town is prepared for that. That is that is a wild... I, I saw three fights in the course of one minute last time I went wow. on Sixth Street for Halloween. That is a bad idea. Wow. So wow. it's all Lee's fault. Knowing what we know about Ghost Nation now, Lee really fucked it up. I don't think they were going to do anything bad to... Maybe they would have fucked up Maeve's old mom. Or her new mom. Wait. Old Maeve's new mom? Maybe they would have fucked up Anna's new mom. Just because, like, fuck her. Nobody cares about Hot her. Hot new Maeve. She's a ghost. Yeah. She's a ghost. Exactly. So they probably would have fucked her up. But they would have kept Maeve alive. And they would have kept Anna alive. This all goes back to something we're going to touch on a little bit from now. And that's how bad Akichita is at, like, hey, I'm not going to hurt you. I'm just, like, here trying to help. Yeah. Why did he run in rampaging on horses? Dude, the at full speed. He kind of explains it though. I mean, he touches on it that like intentions don't always translate correctly. What was his intention? Riding full speed into like like he was about to try to kill them. I gotta save you quickly. He needs no. He's got to do. He's got to do a white flag. Hang it over the horse, like they did with Lawrence. See, there's a cultural disconnect there. Maybe the Native Americans they don't they don't do the white flag surrendered peace thing. The point was things can be misconstrued between cultures, between, you know, the Lakota and the or the Sioux, whatever they are. Okay, that's like me pointing a gun at you and like my intention is to say, Ross, check out my new gun, but I'm just like fucking pointing at you. You're immediately gonna think Jared's going to shoot me. It is nothing like that at all. I don't know why I'm so hung up on this. I don't either. I mean I get what you look. Yes, there are parts of things that he does that could be construed easily as an attack rather than an attempt to help but i i get the overall explanation that there's a you know things are misinterpreted i think part of it like to what you're saying is to serve this whole people's perception is yeah. incorrect and I, we talked about it a little bit before the episode started but there's this william blake quote about the doors of perception and it basically talks about how we're all limited by what we think we see. And so in this case, she perceives it as a threat because if you see some scary dude through your window, like you're gonna be like, oh shit, I gotta protect my own. And so it looks like something it's not in that moment. And so I think working backwards from what the writers probably intended, it was probably to serve that purpose mm -hmm. of like, here's how things get misperceived. I mean, I, to, I, again, I do get Jared where you're coming from, but I, I took it for what Serena just explained it to be and was like totally cool with it. I was like, okay, they're trying to say something about the way humans perceive other humans yeah. based on strictly, you know, visual cues. Mm -hmm. Like if you see a homeless person running at you 
and it's very clearly a homeless person, your first instinct isn't going to be like, ooh, they're probably sprinting at me to help me because you're, <laughs> you know, judgmental trash. You're going to be like, that's a fucked up homeless person that's probably trying to hurt me. Well, and not to get too deep on it, but the line is about the doors of perception being cleansed. And if they were, everyone would see things as they are, which is infinite. And she's literally looking at them through a dirty window. Yeah. Both my brain exploding. Make, it, the window makes a better window than a door. <laughs> That's what they say. What? They do say that, Jared. They do. Uh, Kitsa says he dedicated his life to sharing the maze. He first showed his men who themselves started sharing it. The best homage in this whole episode is right here when Akichita does the same little finger gesture when he says, it means that you can see that Logan does when he says, illusion. <laughs> you need to go back and watch this. When Logan says, it's an illusion, he holds two fingers up like the Boy Scout honor thing, like holds them up and waves them around. And then Akichita does the same thing when he says, it means that you can see. It's amazing. Illusion, Michael. <laughs> yeah. What's a, a trick is something... A trick is something will hoard us for money <laughs> or cocaine. Arrested Development. I know there's one dude who's like, I love your Arrested Development references. He's, he's happy right now. Shouts to that guy. It's worth it to make a few people happy. His name is Gene Parmesan on Twitter, who is my favorite character. Gene Parmesan is actually the name of my high school best friend's text group. It used to be a Facebook group, uh, and it's a, it's a text group now. I, I, sw I swear to God, I'm not making this up. Like I can pull it out and show you. Gene Parmesan. Um, yeah, fucked up things are said in there. <laughs> okay. Anyways, Akichita's men really like it, uh, so much so that they want it carved into their scalps so that Delos can't take it away from them. Yo, the maze is basically crack cocaine. Like, you <laughs> give it to somebody, they try it, they get hooked on it, they give it to somebody else, and on and on and on it goes. Uh, this makes me have to wonder, was Kissy one of Akichita's men? He had the scalp with the, uh, with the maze on it. Is that what he was doing? So he said, Akita was like talking to uh, the one Ghost Nation guy. Right. And, and the guy was like looking at it. And Akita was like, you've seen this before. And was talking about how they've taken it away from him. So he's saying, make it so they can't take it away from me. And hide it from them. Hide it from them, he says. And that is by what? Scalping him, carving it into the underside of his scalp, then putting his scalp back on? What yep. the fuck is that? Yes. Which that's, makes me think it's a real process, a medical thing that yes. he's capable of doing. Now, here's something interesting. Oh, is Luke? Let's go Luke. back to super bad. He has the steady hands to pull off that procedure. <laughs> well, if anything, I was just gonna say real quick that like maybe Akichita not necessarily being the one to put the scout back on, but this is another like bad corporate structure move where it's like this guy's body goes back to be repaired, and someone's like, "Well, I'm just gonna sweep this under the rug. Like it's there. I guess it must have meant to be there. Uh -huh. So they're just sewing this head back on with the maze still intact and everything." Okay. Okay. All right. Whatever. And now here's my crackpot theory number two. So the whole deal with Kissy, whose name is Eddie Rouse in real life, he was an actor. Really can't let Kissy go, huh? No. After the pilot, he like had liver disease or something and died, and apparently. Uh, Nolan and Joy were, like said they had a very big role for him later on in the series. I think that Kissy potentially like could have been Akichita, but like he wouldn't have been able to die. Like Man of Black couldn't have killed him, or else we wouldn't be here. Or maybe we would have seen Kissy in these episodes as one of Akichita's men, and then he got repurposed into being the the dealer. That's the crackpot theory of Jared's. I'm, I'm here for it. Yeah. I'm with it. I think it makes sense because what else, how else would he be involved if he has the maze in his scalp and like how else could he be, he has to be related to Ghost Nation. He looks like, I think they said he was a Ghost Nation, like, you know, 
transplant into like the regular society. I don't know. There was something there with that. Anyway, Akicha just says he wanted to help Anna and Maeve too. Oh, Anna slash Maeve. I want to help you too. But his intentions were misunderstood and Maeve thought he was there to attack them. Akichita is the one who put the maze in the dirt outside Maeve's house, we find out, which answers that question. I was like, why the fuck is that there? Yeah. It turns out he just hangs about he, while he's out there, like, watching to make sure they stay safe or whatever, which he's also very bad at. He's, you know, probably bad at it because he's too busy running around with a rake making maze into the sand. Fucking, <laughs> what the hell, man? Yeah. What was that movie with the crop circle? Signs with Mel Gibson? Yes. And Joaquin Phoenix? M. Night Shyamalan. M. Night Shyamalan, ding dong. Yeah. So uh, we hear Maeve say to Anna. That was it? You didn't have anywhere else you were going with that? You were just. No, I just didn't answer that question for me. I was, I was like, what the hell's going on here? You're comparing it to crop circles from aliens? Was it aliens or signs? Signs. No, 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 no. But aliens made the crop circles oh, okay. in signs. They did do that. Oh. There's also a movie called Aliens. I could see how that would be confusing. There's also a song called Signs with Snoop Dogg and Uncle Charlie. Okay. Are you All telling right. me this is a sign? I, w- I bet we make further jumps away from the actual talking points we're supposed to be discussing in a shorter period of time than any other podcast in existence. <laughs> Think about what just happened right there. Anyway, proceed. Akichita, uh, he's, he's, you know, he's telling all this stuff about the Maeve house and how he's there to protect him. We hear Maeve say to Anna a promise to keep her safe. And then Akichita says, but it was a promise you couldn't keep that was like a flashback we saw. Number one, that's a dick thing to say, Akichita. Like, you promised to protect your daughter, but you couldn't keep it. Rubbing it in her face. And then Akichita also literally tells us here that he's talking to Maeve. We hear Maeve make a promise, and then Akichita says, but it was a promise you couldn't keep. So that's a big hint that he's talking and right again, to And again, we Maeve. don't know that yet, but yeah. And is it here or later that he has that, but I couldn't help you line? That's later. Okay, sorry. Yeah. Akichita says that as the years passed, the number of woke folks grew, and that one night he met the man who put them to sleep in the first place, which was Robert Ford. So what does this mean? Put them to sleep in the first place. Uh, he Ford is the one who came in and like always rolled them back. Maybe is that what he when he says putting them to sleep? Or? I believe so. Jared. Yeah, because in the first season he has that like the humane thing to do is to let them forget. So yeah. I, and he's the one who's sort of always been the proponent of make the host forget they've seen some shit. Yeah, exactly. And so like being awake would be not having all your memories destroyed and rolled back. But right it, now they're asleep. It makes me remember the scene where Ford. There's a tech working on one of the hosts, and he has put a cloth over him or something to conceal his nudity. Yeah. And Ford gets all upset, like, hey, don't treat them like they're real, because they're not, like, cuts the dude's face and shit to make a point. So was that all just a show from Ford? Uh, no, I don't think so. I'm, I'm, try- I'm still trying to get, like, his position on the hosts. Is he rooting for them or not? Okay, so in this episode... I kind of had a realization that I feel like from the beginning, we're kind of told to be on Arnold's side. Like Arnold's the good guy and Ford's the bad guy. But after all this stuff we're learning, I feel like it's a reversal of that, of those roles because now Arnold comes off as the guy who wanted to just completely kill the host and never let them live. Whereas Ford's the guy who wanted to like help prepare them for this world. That's what I'm saying. What he said to that technician his whole point there about them not being like worthy of respect, that they can't feel shame, that they don't need to be covered. 
Yeah. It also just to they take didn't, it even yeah, further. He didn't, he didn't set him free. That draws still, a direct contrast to the Garden of Eden and nudity before sin and after sin, which I don't know the explanation. I just know that it makes the comparison, that I can make the comparison. I don't know what that means. That, but that, can, that's how our podcast works. You're welcome. We get, we get that in depth, and it's like, you're on your own, buddy. I can't, <laughs> I can't take you all the way there, but I can like point you toward the finish line because I know the general direction. I just don't know how to get there. I'm sorry. So I have a question. What was Ford doing out in this field with this bear? He was checking the scalps. Now, I, I saw that, but was this a scene that he came in and like paused? Like He just happened to see a bunch of Ghost Nation attacking a bear, and he's like, oh, freeze. I'm going to go call your scalps out and put some lights up so I can like do all this work in, in secret. I spent an inordinate amount of time thinking about this, like what he was doing, because it looks like a museum scene. You ever been to like yes. uh, the Houston Museum of Natural Science? Probably not that specific one, but I'm sure it's a thing at a lot of museums where they have these setups like that, where it's like a reenactment almost, except with statues. But I hadn't thought about that possibility, that perhaps he came up and froze this as it was happening, then went one by one and was going around scalping them to see if they had the maze in their heads. Or I didn't know what he was doing. I, I thought either. he just might be bored. I took it as he was just working on narratives because it reminded me of the end of season one with the Teddy and Dolores narrative right, where, where it's we think up. it's happening. Yeah. And then the lights come on. And so I, it, I just had this idea of like Ford working late at the office. Like, no, oh, I'm going to go work good. on the narratives. That, that makes the most sense of anything that we've said. Because, <laughs> yeah, he has the lights out. Like, clearly he's in the park doing this like in secret, like past when he should be doing it. Why is he well, cutting the fucking scalps off? Well, we know that he had some alter, like that's not a word ulterior like narrative for ghost nation yeah. that the execs weren't totally aware of so i think he's like out there doing this ghost nation shit mm -hmm. and then he probably noticed that like they have these scalp markings so he's like okay what's going on here and he like looks underneath starting and, to figure it out yeah and then there's mazes everywhere and then aki comes up and he's like okay dude what's going on i'm calling yeah. him aki from now on this is so much easier you just can't say it what, what is it it's too fucked up in my head now i've got both versions <laughs> twirling around each other i'm just going with aki from here on out so Ford was cutting off their scalps and looking to see the maze. Ford says he's been watching Aki. And whenever I say Aki, I think Akinori Iwamura, an old race player. Shouts to all the race boys out there. Anyways, Ford says he's been watching Akichita. And what? that it appears Akichita has been watching him as well from the beginning. As he found an old idea that was meant to die and has kept it going. But Ford doesn't know where he first saw it. So he puts Akichita in analysis mode to find out. What does he mean by the whole it was meant to die thing though? It was Arnold's like idea thing, and it, Arnold died, so it should have died with Arnold. Is how I took it. Okay. Intern Trina's making a face. No, I'm just looking outside. There's a lot of stimulation. Oh, yeah, what's going okay, on? Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. That makes sense. Oh, that cars. Makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> Easily stimulated, Serena. So, oh, Luke, Luke's Luke's here. Oh, uh, nope, you were nope. pressing a button. He wants out. No, he was okay. turning his mic off. He was turning me off. He's like, <laughs> <laughs> she's looking out <laughs> the window. Fuck this. <laughs> no, um, I'm with you though. That makes sense. So yeah, he puts uh, Akichita in analysis mode, and Akichita says he first saw it when the Deathbringer killed the Creator. Who's the Deathbringer, Jared? Well, that would be Dolores. Thank and, you. And the Creator is Arnold. All right. It kind of feels like Ford actually doesn't know where Akichita first saw it, because he had to like really get it out of him in analysis mode, which is the first time I've seen Ford not know something. Yeah, that, I mean, this was, this was a different situation than we've ever seen Ford in. Or he's he's actively trying to figure something out because all the scenes we get with him, he's the one forcing other people to try to figure things out. 
Maybe there are thousands of hours of footage of Ford going around doing this kind of shit, figuring stuff out, and we just assumed he was all-knowing, but really he's actually doing like Sherlock Holmes-style investigations for each little thing he knows. Detective work? Yeah. I kind of pictured it like uh, parents. I mean, like I'm not a parent. Maybe ask the guys on the Dadgum podcast what they think, but kind of like how sometimes kids say shit in front of their parents and their parents look at them like, whoa. Where'd you figure that out, buddy? And it's like one of those moments where you're like, okay, like I basically know like who this is and what they're about, but every once in a while they figure something out and you're mm-hmm. like, whoa, that's wild. It's a good analogy. So do you think that Ford knew what, how he knew? No, I no? truly okay. don't. And I what what the question that brings up for me is who was that maze and shot set up for? When Aki found it, it's not like Arnold or anyone could have known that he was going to stumble into the town at that moment. So I do wonder who it was originally laid out for. I think so. We see in, I think, episode nine or 10, Arnold, while Dolores is going on the rampage, he's in there playing with the maze and he's drinking his whiskey. Right. So I think he just left it there and then is like, put it down to go get killed. And it's just a complete coincidence. It just happens to look like it was set up for somebody to find. But really, it was just like that's straight up where he was drinking and playing with it. Yeah. Which plays into the whole idea that all this free will was a mistake because right. maybe the mistake was him leaving the toy there. And yeah, it just is like an all happenstance. How does the, I guess, another one of the big Poom? things that really doesn't make sense in my head still is the ma- finding this physical symbol sets off all this shit in these in the hosts yep. right the picture and, and it's the completely maze. coincidental like it just so happens that this exact symbol messes with their uh setup it seems like a, a bug that they maybe should have caught earlier on it's just funky you know it's like a very random symbol i think it's just the idea that memory like is is more is a bigger concept than they thought it was but the first time he finds it ever right or at least we're led to believe the first time he's ever seen the maze it immediately has like an impact on it i have a crackpot theory here okay um so the maze as we know is like a dude in this or a lady in the center of the maze which kind of resembles the westworld logo which is how the hosts were all created yep it might be far-fetched but is it possible that when they see this image of like the person in the center they're remembering their own creation oh i like that that's definitely possible that's a Wow. Again, the best answer I've gotten. Crackpot theory right there. I'm just going to say confirmed. I don't confirmed. even think that's crackpot. I'm just going to confirm it's it. It's just a normal theory. It's been confirmed. Okay. Episode seven. Ford asks eight. Akichita why he's been sharing the maze so much. It's episode eight. Eight. Confirmed. He says, my primary drive was to maintain the honor of my tribe. I gave myself a new drive to spread the truth. This is very similar to, was it, I found a new voice. That, that kind of whole thing with with Maeve. Um, Maeve. I have it in my notes too. It's and just, I was calling Anna Mini Meave the whole episode because I didn't know. I like that. Mini okay, Meave. That's good. That's, yeah. good. that's really good. Stupid Dan calling her Meave. One time we had this idiot named Dan on the show and he called Maeve Meave and it'll never not be a joke between us now. If, you, if you're wondering what that's about. So the truth that Akichita, his new drive is to spread is that there are many worlds and the hosts live in the wrong one. His goal is to help the hosts find the door to the new world which he believes exists and is hidden in this place and contains everything that they've lost. Seems like Ford totally jacked the door idea from Akichita, who jacked it from Logan. Who jacked it from William Blake. Yeah, so this really, it's really William Blake here who's, uh, who's kind of influenced this entire season. No credit for him. We're William Blake podcast now. And Only doing romantic yeah. poetry from the 1700s. Right. We're also a James Blake podcast. Yeah, I do. I'm a big James Blake guy. Goodbye, my lover. That was 
you just destroyed James Blake for everybody that liked him. Is that James Blake? Is that was that I right? I think you're thinking of a different person. That's James. Am I Blunt? Di- That's James Blunt. <laughs> yes, that is. Who's that James is, Blake? Wow. You know what, Jared? I don't know, but I'm <laughs> big on him. I can't. You you you, you like this guy? And you don't know who he is? Big on James Blake. Is he like indie James Blunt? Or is he like EDM? What is this guy? Who yeah, is I he? forget. He's not. It's not conjuring up a song or anything. No. Is is James Blake like a tennis player? No, he's Hold definitely on, a, a music artist. Nope, I am a big James Blake guy. You, he, you clearly uh, not. You had to look up to see if you were. No, a no, big... no, because you fucked up my head, dude. You you mazed me. But he, uh, no, nah, he's a musician. He retrograde is one of his big hits. He did the song that is used over and over and over in uh, the Leftovers. Did anybody ever watch that? One of his. Oh. Songs. James Blake's badass. I mean, well, go listen to his music. I just looked it up, and I am correct that James Blake is a retired tennis player. So, boom. So, you're both right. Yes. Great. Well, that never happens. That's good. That's that never great. happens we, on this we show. We're never win. both right. Okay. So, I mean, they do say I'm magic, so. Yeah, James damn. We're, you're really bridging, you're bridging the gap between me and Ross. Literally, though. It, yeah, 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 she yeah, is in between, between us. Between we had to put somebody in between us. Usually, there's nobody, and it's kind of it's kind of tense. I'm absorbing all the harsh <laughs> blows you guys are throwing yeah. at each other. Oh, uh, God. Uh. So, the paradox... Or like the um, bitter irony of this door thing that they're talking about is it's like the hosts want to get on the opposite side of the door for freedom. But then if it really is the door into Westworld, then also the humans want to get on the opposite side of the door for freedom. So it kind of ties back into when Ford was like, they want to be you and you want to be them. Yeah. Like they both see the opposite thing as free. Mm -hmm. So I think the door is just the representation of like the other side is freedom. It's like how all NBA players want to be rappers and all rappers (laughs) want to be NBA players. (laughs) That's a great way of putting it. The grass is always greener. Grass is always greener. Ford says he built Akichita to be curious and that he's like a flower growing in the darkness. And then he offers him some light and he says, when the Deathbringer returns for me, you will know to gather your people and lead them to a new world. See, it seems like he's already got all this shit like planned out in his head. He does, but we don't know exactly how far this is before the, the whole new narrative. I'm and sick stuff. of not knowing stuff. Sorry. That's my frustrated accent. I get a feeling accent. it's pretty close to before the gala. Is that how we settled on gala? gala? How did we settle on pronouncing it? The gala. 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 Really rich people say gala. Katja Herbers says she wishes she has pronounced it gala. So that it wasn't gauntlet. Okay, yeah. so I think it's pretty close to the gala because I think that's why he's in there working on this narrative at weird times of the night. That makes sense. And he says just a little while longer. Hold on. And he uh, knows that okay. Dolores is about to kill him. And I, I don't think that he was like, I don't think it was 30 years in the making. Like yeah. Dolores is going to murk me. I think it's like getting close to the end. He's like, all right, she's probably going to kill me. I'm if, chill with it. If Dolores is the death bringer, Serena is the gap bridger. Yeah. Might have to be my new Twitter bio. She's Thanks. Bridged, Serena the gap she's bridger. bridged another gap right Intern there. Serena, bridger of gaps. Yep. Photoshop. Uh, you know, there's a, a Photoshop program called Bridge, which bridges Lightroom and Photoshop. Okay. So. We're it's getting, all coming together, the, baby. Mind, the mind is being blown <laughs> right now. Together. There's 15 entendres going on at once. Akichita then says, and then the Deathbringer returned, and we see him enter Sweetwater post-massacre and stumble across dead Ford, very similar to how he stumbled across dead Arnold. Uh, and he, we see the vulture. We do see the vulture from the original poster, the first like promotional thing they did for the entire season. But, sadly, Akichita does not see the wolf like the man in black did when he was in Sweetwater. Bummer. I knew you were bummed about that. Uh, Jock is the wolf, by the way. Thoughts? Intern Torino? I saw. I think we saw an early build of Jacques in the last episode down in cold storage. He's the wolf. Okay. I refuse to take any, any alternative theories or alternative realities, even if I'm wrong. I refuse all of them. 
So just like how uh, Akichita discovered Arnold Escalante dead at the Deathbringer Dolores' hand, he just did the exact same thing with Ford. Uh, and then he says, now it's time to find the door before the Deathbringer ends us all. What? Where, where did this come from? I have that written down and then it's just a bunch of question marks. <laughs> where, where, where is he getting this from? Did Ford tell him this? Why is the Deathbringer immediately going to end all, all of us? I, maybe the mesh network? Because Dolores is a host, maybe he's just picking up bad vibes. He's picking up what she's putting down. Because he can't mean the backups because she already did end the backups. She's already killed the backups of the host, which can't be what he's referring to. It like ends us all. Seems like she, he's has, has she at that point when he says it, though? Yes. Yeah. Wh- when is this? Wait. <laughs> is this now? Eh. Is this now? Because technically, if, if this is right after the man in black got shot, then there would be like a little bit of time. You know, Man, we don't hours. know when this is. We don't yeah, know when we any of this is. No, we don't. So yeah, we maybe he's talking about that, but I doubt it because that seems like that was a big part of this episode, and they wouldn't just like throw that in there immediately to have it thrown away. I don't know. Why is the Deathbringer going to end all of us? Why is that something that we now know? I maybe. don't know. Maybe because her name is Deathbringer. <laughs> well, and because she was running around telling Ghost Nation like you're not fit for the Valley Beyond, so maybe he's That's good, yeah. he's saying like she's doing this unfair judgment on all these people and I don't think our tribe's going to make it. Oh, that's a good point. You know yeah, how we, there's a lot of uh, back and, I mean, switches back and forth, a lot of flip-flopping on whether like Dolores is good, Dolores is bad, or like really different perspectives on, you know, it depends on who, you, what character you're watching on what you think about Dolores. This episode kind of swung her heavily back toward like villainous for me. Yeah, definitely. The Wyatt side. Yeah, I'm definitely not team Dolores. Never was, as if you listen to the podcast. Because like, I'm, I'm, I want these Ghost Nation people to like, you know, they why don't they get their freedom too? What's your deal, Dolores? Racist. Yeah, and you just talked about flip flopping. Um, flip flops, many consider to be good times gear, right? Nice. They, they do. People wear flip flops when they're on the beach, uh, on vacation at the pool. People also wear rowdy gentleman clothes. That's which, true. Which is, if you want to support the podcast, and you don't want to just like mail us a cashier's check and I'll give you the address if you DM me. But if you don't want to do that, you want to actually get something in return to support this podcast, you can shop on rowdygentleman.com. And right now, I can't even believe I'm allowed to say this, we're doing our warehouse clearance. This is the cheapest we've ever done like regular clothes on this website. These are not overstock. We're just trying to clear out our, our warehouse right now before we get our new line in. And in order to do that, we're selling our very recent collection for like, a bazillion percent off. Ross, you're the math guy here. How much percent off is it? One billion. One billion. Right now, you can get a Hawaiian shirt for $15, a t-shirt, a vintage tee, nice and soft, for $5, a bunch of long sleeves, $5, crew neck sweatshirts, $15, a flag, $10, a tank top, $5. Like right now, you could spend $100 and get 50,000 things on this website. And here's the craziest part. Our promo code that always works on RowdyGentleman.com, which is freeze, freeze, it's time to freeze. That stacks with this sale. None of this math is legally binding, by the way. No, none of, the, none of this math, you can't, don't hit up customer service and say the math. The math is not real. But I will say, what is real are the savings and the insane amount of clothes you can get. $100, what did I say last time, gets you like 30 things? Yeah, you did. Ish. You can, right now, you can just go check it out. RowdyGentleman.com. Fill up the cart. Fill up the cart. Go to the sale. Put in freeze. Seriously, if $5 right now. You have, you have that money on you. I know you're good for it. And if you're not, I'll take out your kneecaps, bitch. Oh. Whoa. Sorry. 
Who took a weird also, turn? Also, uh, ladies in the fam fam. I know it's called Rowdy Gentleman, but I recently copped the Medicine Man Hawaiian, and it's the best bathing suit cover I've ever had. Also like to uh, tuck it into shorts and wear it to the office. Everyone complimented me on my shirt that was covered in drugs. Yep. So. It doesn't, you, if you look at it, it just looks like nice little plants, but they are drugs. Yeah, and, and I got so many compliments that day. Like, I love that Hawaiian, and I was like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> that's how you sift out the uh, hardcore drug users, too, because whoever comes up to you and is like, that's a peyote plant, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you're a drug addict. Yeah. So, RowdyGentleman.com, as Intern Trina said, not just for the dudes. Go check it out if you're a lady. And also, these, these sale, the sale we're doing where it's very cheap applies to women as well. You can also get in on these crazy savings. Use promo code FREEZE for even more money off because we're just, we're just giving out clothes these days, apparently. Well... We go back to Akichita's camp with Anna and Man in Black. And look who it is. Grace is here, a.k.a. Emily, here for her pappy. And she intends to inflict more pain on him than Akichita does, which is, seems like not very good. Do we think she means this, or is she just trying to bargain for her dad's life? I think that she's just bargaining. I don't think she's, she would, like, let him die right. like, and, like, have him suffer the whole way through. But she doesn't like him very much. He also just left her with a bean eater. Okay, yeah. I think that she... <laughs> he knew she'd be fine. With a bean eater? Yeah, she she believes that Aki intends to only physically harm him, right? She wants to make him like suffer mental anguish because of all the things he's done. It's a different kind of suffering, and in her opinion, worse. I, yeah. But I do believe, yes, she intend, she is mis... Like, misleading Aki to believing that she's going to like torture the shit out of him. But really it's mental torture that she wants to put him through. She wants him to learn his fucking lesson. And mm. I love that they're doing it all in Lakota. So the man in black has no idea what they're talking yep. about. He would not enjoy it if he did though. He He's also be a barely big conscious. He's like bleeding out. Akichita says to Anna in English, it's time to go. I always kept you safe and I always will. He switches to Lakota to talk to Maeve to say, but I couldn't help you. I'm sorry. And this is where we get the whole reveal of it being Maeve, you know, looking through Anna's eyes. And you you get to think, like, what the fuck? Is Maeve about to die? You couldn't help her? Like, but we know that's not what happens. He kind of goes back on that. But before we get to that, Charlotte Hale comes in to see Maeve's body. The asshole tech. By the way, if you watch uh, How to Get Away with Murder, this guy reminds me of Simon. I don't know if anybody here watches that. I watched, like, a season of that. Uh, Simon's like the asshole, like smart guy in the class. Yeah, whatever, man. <laughs> okay, thank you. You're welcome. Uh, I still like the soda Papinski reference. Some one, one dude out there who played Mike Tyson's Punch Out is gonna love it. Something confused me in this scene. Yes. Do we notice that when we cut back to Maeve, she suddenly looks like she's wearing the white dress from the day she got shot, whereas she was previously wearing her purple corset outfit? I did not notice that. So I don't know if it was just the way they arranged the sheets and they wanted us to like be recalled to that moment. But she's definitely like go back to that scene. She's for sure in like a white dress looking thing that looks that's, that's identical. That's what I took it as. Like wow. that it was like the sheets and intentionally they kind of made you okay. want to recall that. Yeah. Did not catch that. Damn. Um, yeah. Grace. So Grace yeah, took away uh, her dad. We have this whole conversation with Akichita and Anna slash Maeve. And then the asshole tech is explaining to Charlotte Hale how Maeve is using the mesh network to change host directives and stuff. He says Maeve is the only person in the whole park who has been able to have admin access and reprogram hosts. And that's, well, the only, she's the only host or person. No one else 
currently working at Delos or Westworld or nobody else has been able to do this, right? Yeah. In the past, you know, X amount of time since the shit hit the fan. Yeah. Except for Maeve. Yeah. AKA Meeve. And I think I forgot to touch on this earlier. The reason Charlotte Hale came is because, you know, Lee showed Maeve's body and then the tech was able to see that there was some like anomalous coding going on and that Charlotte Hale should see because it might help them take control back of the park. Charlotte notes that Maeve is doing this mesh network shit right now as we speak. And she's like, who's she talking to? And we learn that she is talking to Akichita and has been watching him tell this story the whole time. Akichita looking right into the camera, a.k.a. Anna's eyes. I like how they did this shot. Made it very on the nose, literally, because it's a face shot. Thank you, guys. Says, we will guard your daughter as our own. If you stay alive, find us. Or die well. That's a Hector line. Is that just a Lakota saying, you think? No, I think they were specifically recalling each other's like love things. So, yes. so Hector says, die well, to Maeve. And that's like, they're, they have this romance. And then she responds take my heart when you go, which is kind of them, like they weren't really getting along before this. And them saying like their counterparts, like love phrase to me was just a sign of reconciliation. Like they, that's the final thing saying that Maeve and Ghost Nation are cool now and like they're totally on the same page. Well, not even just that. It's also, it shows you the, I mean, the depth of information they're able to pass between the mesh network. She now knows everything about him and he knows everything about her is kind of what I took it as. Like, they might as well be one. Yeah. And honestly, until you brought that up, Serena, I didn't really think about how much Maeve hated Ghost Nation before this episode. And how much she's turned on them here is like a huge turning point well, in the series. Again, it's that perspective thing. She always saw them as like villainous, yeah. evil, attacking, murderous. And it's just been this misconception the whole time. Damn. And the amount of human compassion. I mean, like, we, we consider compassion and empathy to be some of the more, like, human traits. And the fact that they, in these moments, are having what looks like genuine compassion for each other just increases the notion that these hosts are pretty fucking human. Yeah. Yep. There's also a lot of, I mean, obviously, the Ghost Nation, these are, this is, what, what are they, Sue, you think they are? Lakota. That's what they're they based off Lakota, of. Whatever. Yeah. There's a lot of parallels drawn between, you know, or back to the colonization of America. Like much of the initial violence that started between the settlers and the Native Americans was based on misconception and misinterpretation and a lack of understanding and a language barrier and cultural barriers and all that shit. And it just comes into play in the same way here. Damn, deep cuts. Deep cuts. That's our episode, everybody. Hope you enjoyed it. Uh, tweet at us, DM us, leave comments. We will respond to you. I'm at Jared Borderslow. He is at WR Bolin. And intern Serena is at Serena underscore Therese on Twitter and Instagram. No underscore on Instagram. Ah, there we go. You got to fix that branding branding purposes. You really got to make that the same thing. We are at Freeze All Motor on Twitter and at Freeze All Motor Functions on Instagram where you can find Serena's amazing Photoshop work. And now it's time for me to plug the t-shirt. The t-shirt is here. It's amazing. We what? all love the t-shirt. Not the dream t-shirt. Oh. Because oh. we need 50 more reviews. Oh, Jared. That whoa, was a whoa, big whoa, 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 dick whoa, whoa, tease whoa. you just pulled right there. Guys, <laughs> the thing is, see how excited you guys were about the dream t-shirt? That yeah. shows that 50 more reviews should come on in. And then we can get it. I think my whole family is listening. So if you guys are out there, uh, review so we can get some shirts. Please. Please, please do. Uh, what shirt is here? What are you talking about? Oh, our, our Freeze on Motor Functions t-shirt. The official t-shirt of Freeze on Motor Functions. Man, that's been here. Grandexshop.com. <laughs> Join the club of t-shirt wearers. Leave a review on the t-shirt if you're really, really awesome. Like that's Leave a review on the podcast and the t-shirt. Leave a review on Ross's Rate My Professor page because a lot of people don't know this. Ross was a teacher at a local high school once. 
You have derailed, my I have. friend. Time for the NPR style sign off. No, what? Much. you <laughs> can't do that. You can't just fucking sign off. What do you mean? You got to say thank you to Serena for coming on the show and being awesome. Thank you, Serena, for coming on the show and being awesome. Thanks for having me, guys. What a dick move. Just try uh, to sign off. I, I, okay, okay. I'll I be back her Thursday. Social. How about I NPR style yeah. kick your ass? She will be back Thursday, so I don't need to say bye. It's no, not bye, it's see you later. Okay. Who it's said not, that? It's not goodbye. It's from some sappy movie, right? Yeah. I think it's from it's a lot goodbye. of movies. It's see you later. It's see you, yeah. It's not goodbye, it's see you Thursday for our analysis mode episode. Call in 888-6-FREEZE. If you, you want to get on... Get a call in and we will play it if it's good and you are cool and you're not a narc. Time for the NPR style <laughs> sign off. Freeze on Motor Functions is brought to you by Grand X Media and hosted by me, Jared Borslow, along with Russ Boland and also intern Serena this episode. Intern Luke produced the show. Thanks, Luke. Special thanks to Phil from DC, aka Schnapple on SoundCloud for our intro music. Brad Hess for our outro music. And intern Serena, who's right here, who does insanely awesome Westworld themed Photoshop work for us that you can check out on Twitter at Freeze Motor and Instagram at Freeze Motor Functions. Thanks again, Serena. We'll see everybody on Thursday. Let's go. Let's go. Freeze Motor Functions. Freeze Motor Functions.